It's showtime. Okay, Tokyo, South America, Australia, France, Germany, UK, Africa. Here we go. Head on with Bob Kincaid. Three hours of conversation, cussin' and a discussin' with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Surprise! Well, howdy. February 2023. This is the Horn. Head on Live is where you find us on the interweb tubes. That's where you go if you want to be part of the Merry Wacky Zany Real-Time Madcap Multimedia Extravaganza. That is the Horn chat room in the three hours in which this program is live, Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And, uh, well, all time zones in between and the Great Globe Round. I'm checking. I don't even know if there's anybody in the chat room because I said I wasn't going to be here. And let me get a quick look. Uh, well, look, how about that? There's people in the chat room. Ha! Huh. I love it. Y'all are awesome. Um, hey, Anatole, and hey, Squeaky, and hey, Theo. And hey to uh, Pinch Hit Midweek Chat Room Utility Moderator and All-Around Great Guy, Brother Bishop Steve from Georgistan. No, I said I was going to be at a meeting in Charleston, and I uh, went to Charleston, and I got back, and <sighs> so we're going to have a program. We're going to have a Thorn in the Side Thursday program. Mm-hmm. By the way, whatever time it is when you're listening to the podcast, well, if you would, uh, please be so kind as to uh, like and subscribe. Leave a comment, and, uh, well, tell your friends, tell your neighbors all about what's going on here, about this conversation that's been running for almost 20 years, one of the longest-lasting progressive broadcasts in the country, with no commercials, no Buy Gold Now ads. No, none of that. Non-capitalist, non-commercial, free form, easy to access, no firewalls, no nothing. So like and subscribe and spread the word that there's a different kind of conversation taking place here. And I think uh, I think we will all benefit by it. 
uh, by adding new voices to the conversation. So, yes, I appreciate every last bit of it. And every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude, and this program is no different. So, consequently, thanks go out to our ninth day of the month subscribers. And that means a humongous thank you to um, Khalil. Hey, Khalil. And to uh, uh, to Ralphs. Thank you to Mary Bell. Thank you so much. Thank you to James. Much appreciated. Thank you all for being partial sponsors of the program. Let's see. Where were we when I hit? No. Um, yeah, I can't help myself. When I, when I close the program, I guess that's when preparation for the next day's program begins because I take a quick look at stuff that I may have missed during the actual course of the live show. And so I ran across a couple of things. Just yesterday evening. And I thought we might start there. Oh, hey. Hey, Lee. Lee in New York, listening on HeadOn.Live. Thanks. Thank you so much. Um, I'm looking... Uh, Check an email here for something right now. And by the way, big thanks to Brother Deacon Asa, who uh, helped immensely deal with the onslaught of horrible, uh, horrible spam attacks. Thank you so much. Um, let's see, Ralphs. I'm, I'm looking here. I don't see an email. Yes, I, oh yeah, I got it from yesterday. And did I not announce it? I thought I announced it. <sighs> Sometimes, I, I apologize if I didn't. Let me know. But where we stand now, the uh, fundraising goal, uh, I, I sent it to, uh, it, yeah, the fundraising goal for today is at $760. So that's today and yesterday and $160 of Tuesday, which is not terrible given some of the problems we've had. And I want to uh, so 760, and that'll uh, make if we can if we can knock some of that down, at least we don't have a four-digit um, a four-digit fundraising hole for Friday on the front porch. And at this point in time, it's all about just keeping the basic bills paid because we're getting eaten alive here. Power bill in particular. But we'll, uh, okay, maybe I didn't. Um, let me look. Uh, Ralph says I didn't announce the challenge. Um, so let me go back and have a quick peek.
Oh, I, I, I did miss it. I'm sorry. Um, it's the uh, Kayla looking out the window challenge, an adorable picture of little kitty Kayla still messing with the blinds. Um, if somebody will match 25 bucks, Ralphs will jump in and match it. Thank you, Ralphs. Thank you. I'm sorry I missed it yesterday. Like I said, email's been kind of a mess. But thank you. That would get us down to seven ten and pretty and, and and within you know basically eleven dollars of not having a four digit fundraising hole for Friday on the front porch. Thank you, thank you, Ralphs. And uh, it, this, I'm not sure. I'm not I'm not sure exactly who this is, but uh, I got a lovely note, uh, and it, it came in within the huge mass of spam that was landing and this one wasn't um, I had a note from someone named Charlie um, subject line re-beautiful dear Robin just saw your most recently posted photo at your Twitter account you're very pretty and beautiful <laughs> I cel- and, and I celebrate the happiness and contentment you found in your life kind regards Charlie Charlie that is so sweet thank you so very much means a lot to me. It really, really does. You might be surprised, but it does. And Charlie, I thank you. That was just so very kind. Now, um, as far as this Thorn in the Side Thursday is concerned, like I said, there were some things I saw at the end of the program that I felt like might get might have to get carried over into Friday on the front porch, but I'm here, so we and and these do qualify as thorns. The 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 first one, and Annette and I discussed this after the program was over, and she was just disgusted, as was I, and there was no prompting involved. Um, we 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 share a sense of. I don't know. When you've known somebody as long as we've known each other, I guess we, we kind of read each other's minds. But this is disgusting. Of course, it came from Fox News TV Radio Rwanda. It's a story that should be no one's business but the families. But this is emblematic of everything that is wrong with Fox News TV Radio Rwanda. Everything. The essentials of the story are that a an ABC News producer named Dax Tahara passed away last December. poor guy was only 37 years old. He was seen as a an up-and-coming talent there at ABC News. And when he passed away, it was initially thought that he had died of a heart attack. Well, I suppose the medical examiner's report came out and some enterprising ink-stained wretch or 
I don't know, packet-stained wretch over at Fox News TV Radio Rwanda was terribly eager and got a big scoop about ABC News because liberal media! ABC News President Kim Godwin early on with not much information sent the typical message of condolence around to the uh, to the division there at ABC News that Dax Tahara, who had been an executive producer at This Week, passed away suddenly of a heart attack. And that left behind were his grieving widow and two small children. But the people at Fox News TV are, are, are ghouls in the truest sense of the word. With no regard for human dignity or human decency. When the, when the pathology report came out, this, I mean, the, the headline for this garbage almost seems celebratory. ABC producer who died reportedly choked on food while drunk after network said he suffered heart attack. I wonder how uh, uh, Joseph Wolfson, who wrote this story, would feel if the same thing happened to him. Or someone he cared about, a co-worker, a colleague. The whole story is just awful. And in no wise am I trying to make anything out of the particulars. The bottom line is, and it's a mess, and people make mistakes, people do things that they should not have done. I guess Mr. Tahera and his wife were having a night out in December of 2022. And they were staying at a place called the Yale Club in New York City. And they went out to dinner. Now here's where the bad, well, it's all bad. Particularly the behavior of Fox News TV Radio Rwanda in positively celebrating the story. I mean, this is, after all, a network that has paid out probably north of a billion dollars or more because somehow or another the skeevy, creepy old men who run it can't keep themselves uh, from groping the women who work there. Roger Ailes comes to mind. No one, no matter how awful, deserves to be subjected to that kind of abuse. But somehow or another, Joseph Wolfson at Fox News TV Radio Rwanda wrote with celebratory glee, The Daily Mail reported Wednesday, and of course that's the Daily Mail, and the Daily Mail is a, is a, is a birdcage liner too, 
Tahera had actually choked on food due to being intoxicated, according to New York City's Office of the Chief Medical Examiner. Quoting the Daily Mail, Joseph Wolfson wrote at Fox News TV Radio Rwanda, The official cause of death was given as asphyxia due to obstruction of airway by food bolus complicated and acute alcohol intoxication. As if the decedent was the only person who had ever gotten loaded during the Christmas season. But it went on from there. Because Veronica Tahera, his widow, was arrested. Because she and her deceased husband, in going out to dinner, well, there in New York, they had their two-year-old and their six-month-old infant or whatever. They set up what is commonplace in the modern world. They set up baby monitors and went out to dinner. And of co- but, of course, this is reported with such, uh, such uh, sickening glee by Fox because Dex Tahera worked as an executive producer at ABC's This Week while Veronica Tahera is a senior producer at the Washington Post. She noted that they had two, you know, two baby cams on the kids, down for the night, asleep, and they went out to dinner, as uh, uh, Joseph Wolfson puts it, at a ritzy New York City steakhouse with friends. To me, this may not seem like a big story, but it it, it carries freight. It carries the entire freight of the indecency that attends the era in which we live. That has, in fact, attended the era in which we live um, for so many years that you've just about got to be my age or older to realize how long this toxicity has been going on. From at least the moment that Bill Clinton got the Democratic nomination for president the first time through in 1992. I don't know how much Joseph Wolfson gets paid, and I certainly don't know how much the reporter at the Daily Mail gets paid. And I I know everybody needs a job. But this is just so tawdry. I'm sure that at this point in time, an infant who was five months old, who is now seven months old, almost the same age as my little Junie, our little Junie. And that baby's sibling, who's similar in age to our other grandchild, especially with a five-year-old, What a horror it is. What a heartbreak it is. 
to try to have to explain that daddy's never coming back. Breaks my heart. And now, thanks to Joseph Wolfson and the Daily Mail, when the kids get old enough, somebody will tell them to look up how their daddy died. And things like acute alcohol intoxication, that is a term of art. That is a medical standard. And it could very well be that a majority of the people dining in that, what, what was it, a ritzy New York steakhouse were also suffering from acute alcohol intoxication. Acute means something with a relatively quick onset as opposed to chronic alcohol intoxication, which is just when you stay drunk all the time. As I read this story, the more I thought about it, I thought I thought about you know the, the editorial chain of command at an outfit like this because huh, once upon a time, for a relatively brief period of time, I had some experience in this. So, granted, it was pre-internet, but before a story like this would ever hit air, it would be seen by an editor. Or at least afterward, if it hit without being seen by an editor, the editor would talk to you later and say, hmm, maybe we stay away from those. Maybe we, 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 we have a duty to report the news, but is that really news? The personal and private grief of two people who work at... But those that that ship has, as Scott said last night, that good ship has sailed, and I added and sunk. And when you take a story like that and you add it in conjunction with the gross decay of decorum in something like the State of the Union address suddenly you understand a little bit better why we are where we are. Because decency and manners are something more than knowing which fork to use with the shrimp. Hint, it's the really tiny one with three prongs. Well, okay, let's say oysters. I don't want to make too much of a big deal. I don't want to make a big deal at all out of this. But sometimes I see these little Burma shave signs along the road. And it's, oh, well, son of a gun. You are here. We are here. And I hope something vile never Happens something horrifying and tragic never happens to Joseph Wolfson, so that someone will uh, it, it will compose a sick and tawdry story that will be the last story of the end of someone's life. 
someone who wasn't particularly in the public eye. You know, the Supreme Court standards that were enunciated under New York Times versus Sullivan and um, its progeny and Falwell v. Hustler create a standard that that says it's pretty much open season on public figures. But just because you work in a job like Mr. Tahera's, especially as an executive producer, does not mean that you're a public figure. Unfortunately, another another principle of longstanding American jurisprudence is that it is po- it is impossible to defame, to libel, to slander the dead, and so consequently we have general rules of manners that include that ancient legal maxim, or that ancient Latin maxim, nil nisi bonum, which is a shorthand Latin phrase meaning not if not good, or never if not good. In other words, don't speak ill of the dead. That, apparently, now you remember when Dan Quayle was going to South America and he said, I'm going to Latin America. Makes me wish I'd studied Latin better. Now, apparently there's no, nobody studying Latin over at Fox News TV Radio Rwanda. And I had a note from uh, Steve in New York saying, Bet you never thought you'd be agreeing with... Uh, the man who looks like rancid hot dog water smells. But here we are. Proof that even a blind hog finds an acorn now and then. The fallout continues over the absolutely insane diatribe that Jethreen Bodine, the governor of Arkansas, unleashed Tuesday night. Sarah Hustlebuck sandbag saying, the choice is between, between crazy and normal, utterly oblivious to the fact that she was clutched tightly in the fist of the goddess of irony when she said that. And so yesterday, over on that uh, rickety podcast of his, Steve Bannon had on uh, old former Fox News and CNN crank Lou Dobbs. Remember when Lou Dobbs had to leave? Remember why? Save that for another day. And I find this really curious because, remember... The man who looks like rancid hot dog water smells happily invites marginal trailer queen Ku Klux Cruella. Oh, God, it was so funny. Um, Stephen Colbert featured that photograph of her standing up in her Cruella de Vil uh, coat. 
with her mouth wide open, yelling at the President of the United States, and said, she's got that customer at Benny, uh, uh, customer waiting for the Benihana chef to throw the shrimp look down pat. I lolled. So she's apparently smart enough to be on the air with Stevie Three Shirts, but apparently Sarah Hasselbuck Sandbags is a bit ute upid stay, if you own a what I mean. Uh, Steve, can I say it's one fantastic. thing? fantastic. No, by the way, yes, sir, sure. Because the rebuttal last night, I, I think that was a great insult to President Trump, not mentioning his name when... Uh, now, I don't want you to think that there's an echo on my end here. This is Stevie Three Shirts not knowing how his equipment works, even though he can hire people who do. Everything I do here, I do with a great deal of help. Moderators in the chat room, Brother Deacon Asa, the News Ninjas. Um, I, I try to mention everybody at the end of the program. Here in the fabulous Horn Studios at the Magnificent Kincaid Mansion, it's pretty much Annette and me. And Annette makes sure that, well, I don't come completely off the rails just trying to get the program on the air. And then, you know, clock strikes 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we hit the button, and the, the program happens. And from time to time, I'll, we'll take a call, but the equipment here mostly manages and normalizes things. You know, people will say, yeah, I'm hearing myself come back. Yeah, well, Skype, Skype's like that sometimes. It should settle down. Stevie Three Shirts here should not be in a position of having to, but that's okay. He's got a little bit of a delay going on. I don't know if he's on any, on any cable services. Maybe he's got a... 30-second delay going. But nonetheless, there, uh, Lou Dobbs, the old crank, is upset with Sarah Hustlebuck sandbags, not because she was batshit crazy and just really, really stunk up the joint, but because she didn't get down on her knees, bow over, and kiss his hairy toe. And it's true. Jethreen Bodine did not mention Donald Trump's name, not once. Probably because at this point in time, she would just as soon have people not recall the number of lies that she told on his behalf. You know, her being a Christian and all. Right? Sarah Huckabee uh, went uh, to Iraq with the president and the first lady in the dark of night uh, for Christmas uh, with our troops. Uh, to not mention his name, uh, to talk about uh, new leadership, uh, it looked like the uh, the Governor's Association had uh, written uh, that much of that speech and aligned themselves with uh, Ron DeSantis. Uh, it was a shame. Uh, I think in other ways it was terrific speech. But in that lack of respect to uh, to POTUS, uh, unacceptable. And I would hope that there would be I, some yeah. uh, you can make it right. 
here, listen. In my, in the, I was on the live chat last night as the uh, as the uh, our uh, team was running the um, the um, live chat. We had I don't know twenty seven thirty thousand people during Huckabee's. I kept saying, "Say his name, say his name." It was an insult to President Trump. She does not exist politically if it's not for President Trump. That speech, I thought the speech was terrible. It goes into the wokeism, and that's all interesting. But you got to get to the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter is the debt ceiling, the CCP. If you're going to give a counter speech, you got to talk about important issues. Don't get me wrong. The wokeism is, is very important. But it's Mary. not quite the heart of the matter right now, right? It's not the heart of the matter. She does do. not exist. And the reason is she's just not, she, she's not intellectually capable of going to the heart of the matter, right? Let's be blunt. Um, well, let, let's do, let's, let's, let's be blunt. You know, Jethreen Bodine done graduated sixth grade. Her brother has a blue serge suit and a nickel squirter. But Jethreen, well, Jethreen was just pining away at home. Because she didn't, well, you know, she just doesn't have the intellectual half. You know, of Donald Trump with the very big brain and the very good genes, believe me. <laughs> the selective reality of these people. Given the fact that Trump had made her, made her, hang on, made her to not say, go, to go out of his way, her way not to say his name, and then to tell the story. Sounds like somebody's having pronoun trouble. Do you notice the say his name thing? I'm so old I can remember that I can remember when say his name applied to people like Ahmad Arbery or George Floyd. Yeah? Tamir Rice. But now it's about the jiggling adipose. 270-pound man-baby. Say my name. Story about F, uh, uh, the, the trip to Iraq and not say his name in the story of the trip was outrageous. And you're right. This was like written by Ron DeSantis and the entire RGA, Lou Dobbs. It's, it was a metaphor for what uh, the donor class is trying to do to Donald Trump right now. That is, use his four years as president as a template and model uh, for a... Uh, model for what? Crippling debt? 25% of the entire deficit belongs to Donald Trump. I mean, that's a hell of a pull quote from Biden's State of the Union address. Good luck in your senior year. A rhino uh, presidency uh, that they can control. The issues today are not much different uh, than 2016 uh, when President Trump was running and elected. Uh, they can't stand it that they can't control him and that he is, in point of fact, an America first patriot. Uh, he means it when he wants to make America great. And he has proved, proven uh, that he will deliver. Uh, he has implemented, executed and achieved as president of the United States. And I think like no other uh, in modern history. And the only crooks we found in all of those investigations and special counsels and impeachments, as you well know, <laughs> as you well know, <laughs> is that he's a fucking crook. I mean, Steve, 
the only people, the only wrongdoing was, well, the Department of Justice, FBI directors, FBI agents, uh, the attorneys of the DOJ, the intelligence community. Hello in there, Lou. What color is the sky on your world? But not one instance of wrongdoing on the part of the man they were trying to bring down. And that's that is the essence of what the nation faces. Yeah, it, it, that might hold a little bit of water if it weren't for the fact that there were Republicans in the Senate who said, well, yeah, he's guilty, but I don't think it's impeachable. Or, yeah, he's guilty, but I'm going to vote to acquit anyway. Because my legacy doesn't mean shit to me. And the, and the check done cleared. Hmm. Yeah. Donald J. Trump. Lou Dobbs, uh, thank you. And Donald J. Trump. Lou Dobbs. Where? What? Where? Personally, I hope they tear themselves all to shreds over the next two years. And let me just, let me just mention a thing here. Oh, sorry, we're having some gale force winds outside. The winds of March appear to be appearing, uh, appear to be showing up early, really early. The uh, jonquils are already popping their little heads through the through the soil. I've seen them do that in the snow. It was the sweetest thing. Uh, it was Tuesday night, and I saw my first little peeper, tiny little frog. Uh, the first song of spring, and I saw I, I slowed I slowed the car because I wanted to make sure she got across the road, and she did. And I, you know how I knew and you know how I knew she was a she because she was up and getting shit done before anybody else was awake. That's how. But I'm sorry, I don't know where that spring digression, springtime digression came from. But I, I, I've been thinking lately. I saw an article today talking about unnamed highfalutin donors, Republican donors, who are saying, "Oh Jesus, please, not Donald Trump." I, I supported him last time. I, I did. I, but all he's done is piss and moan for the last two years, and it's not a great look. And I, I think, I think it's just. Time to move on, which under any normal circumstance would be exactly what a, a Democrat or Republican is what you say, because you get your shot, and at least the way American politics works for the most part, after you've had your shot, well, you're done. There is no, there, there's no constitutional reason he couldn't be president again. Jesus, please, no. But he's got a record now. Part of the reason he won in 2016 is he didn't have a record. All he had was a sleazy history of philandering and screwing and being the racist son of a Klansman soak. And there were enough Americans to say, 
hey, let's try that. Because, again, something I've said for years and years, every four years in this country, we have a national one-question IQ test. And in 2016, we flunked it. Well, you didn't. I didn't. Mm, Some lefties, lives, and progressives did. But mostly it was, you know, good God-fearing, upstanding, Bible-believing, Christ-centered, evangelical, fundamentalist, amylosexual, Christian Republicans who failed the IQ test. And it's almost always them who cause us to flunk. But the donor base appears to be conflicted. And perhaps not even conflicted. It sounded from the article that I read, it seemed like they were pretty well decided that. I mean, you've got the club for growth saying, "Nah, that's a that's a big no on Trump." And of course, Chuck and Dave, one of whom is in the, is 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 long since dead, but still reaching his bony fingers from the from from the depths of hell to influence American politics with his money. Well, both the Koch organization and the Club for Growth have decided to take a powder on Nitwit Nero. Nitwit Nero 2.2.0. In favor, I suppose, of Ron Monkey Up to Clantis. And as long as it's just us talking here. Monkey up is more frightening to me because the guy actually made it through law school, high pollutant, Ivy League. Served in the Congress. Will have been a governor of a major state for a term and a half has worked all manner of evil mischief. And probably would work well enough with if he could if he get if he had a Republican Congress to deal with, it would be Katie Bar the door. So between the two, he actually frightens me more. Among other things, because Nitwit Nero will always be first and foremost about Nitwit Nero. So I find myself wondering, and I would be interested in your thought as well. Does that mean we kind of hope the Republicans do nominate Nitwit Nero again? I find the prospect of that absolutely nauseating. But this is the this is the this is an era of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Well that's going too far. So let me know what you think. Would we be better off as uh, as uh, you know liberals, progressives, Democrats? Would we be better off? With Nitwit Nero out there barking and grunting and being generally insane, 
2024 than the guy who partied with a bunch of high school kids in his charge? Yeah, 18-year-old girls drinking beer and photographs with him. Need to get a memo to the for-profit media to start hammering that a little bit more, as I said the other night. But it's a heck of a thing to ponder. After the after the performance we saw on Tuesday at the State of the Union, I want to feel like I, that, that, that that Joe Biden can handle anybody, anything, and anyone who comes at him. Because he certainly took the worst and weirdest of the maggot caucus and handed them their ass and made them like it. Also, today in... Today in January 6th news, that dude, the guy who carried the Confederate battle flag through the capital of the United States of America during the terrorist attack, one of the terrorists who attacked of January 6, 2021, having been previously convicted of a number of crimes related to his behavior on that day, went to court today and got all sentenced. He appeared before a maggot judge by the name of Trevor McFadden the prosecution was seeking 70 months in federal incarceration. One of these days, we're going to find somebody who was, whose behavior was awful enough on that day that they'll merit something more than a decade, maybe two. On a reminder, we had the clip from Stevie Three Shirts. Dude is still a convict. Dude has still been convicted of two counts of contempt of Congress. Dude is still out walking the streets when just about anybody else out there wouldn't be. You think maybe that might be a reason for him to be so eager to support Nitwit Nero because if he can just get him back if he can if he can if he can string out if he can string out the court process long enough to get Nitwit Nero back into the Oval Office that the pardon will be his for the asking. Somehow I think that plays into it. But Confederate flag dude Kevin Seafried, a 53-year-old fella, a drywall mechanic from Delaware, went into court today. His own lawyers were uh, suggesting he really shouldn't do any jail time. That you know maybe maybe like Rush Limbaugh, he should get the Presidential Medal of Freedom 
Sarcasm. Well, Trevor McFadden, being a maggot appointee, did some Solomonic baby splitting. A man who did something that the entire Confederacy could not do, carrying the Confederate battle flag into the capital of the United States, will spend less time in prison than the people who waged war against the United States of America waged that war. Three years. Three years for carrying a flag of treason through, uh, in an attack on the Capitol. And it's not just that he paraded around with his devil's diaper there. No, hell no. He menaced an African-American poli uh, Capitol Police officer with the flagpole and the little pointy thing on the end of it. The police officer was Eugene Goodman. Eugene Goodman, you may recall, is the heroic cop who led the maggots away from members of the Senate. It was Eugene Goodman who looked at Bishop Willard Romney and said, no, no, dumbass, not that way, that way. This was about the same time that we saw Josh Hawley hauling ass running around the Capitol like a chicken with his head cut off. But they made a big deal out of the Confederate flag. The, the defense did. Crying his little maggot eyes out, Kevin Seafried said, I never wanted to send a message of hate. Because his pettifogger said that uh, well in their in their uh, in in their sentencing memo, his pettifogger said he had brought the flag as a symbol of protest, but had not considered the logic of those who see the flag as a symbol of American racism. The logic. Logic's doing a hell of a lot of work there. So never mind the fact that the devil's diaper is a beloved symbol of the racist history of this country. Can you even talk? Can we even? Is it even legal in Florida to talk about the legacy of the Confederate battle flag, or is that critical race theory? But that's what he report said to an FBI agent upon questioning. I don't see it as a symbol of racist hate. Of course, I read between the lines, and I'm familiar with how the maggot Confederates talk. Civil War wasn't about racism. It wasn't even about slavery. It was about economic independence. It was about states' rights. That's what it was. Yeah, states' rights to continue to enslave people. His pettifoggers also said that uh, he is embarrassed and ashamed that many 
may view him as a racist. Now that photos of him with the flag have become iconic symbols of the horror of January 6th, Mr. Seafried completely understands the harm he has caused. Sure he does. At one point in time, he looked at Eugene Goodman, the Capitol Police officer, and said, You can shoot me, man, but we're coming in. In their own, in their own sentencing memo, prosecutors said that flagpole was not only a weapon capable of causing serious injury, a Confederate battle flag was affixed to it, and it was brandished by a man standing at the front of a volatile growing mob towards a solitary black police officer. Oh, by the way, it was a family affair that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Seafried brought his son with him. His son's already been convicted. He's doing two years. And so instead of the 70 months that the, the 70 generous, merciful months that prosecutors wanted, maggot appointee Trevor McFadden gave him three years and said, bringing a Confederate flag into one of our nation's most sacred halls was outrageous. Really? Was it, Judge? To you? Maggot appointee that you are? Beholden to the man for whom that terrorist attack was conceived and executed? Yeah. And just because the story does, there's always there's always one more awful thing with these kinds of stories. Maggot appointee Judge Trevor McFadden allowed Kevin Seafried to remain at liber- at large at liberty until the Department of Corrections, the Bureau of Prisons, gets around to telling him it's time to show up to go to jail. Why? The man is a seditious, treasonous, insurrectionist terrorist. But Trevor McFadden, Trump appointee, was right there to scold him a little bit. That was outrageous. But pat him on the head and say, no, you're going home today. You didn't need to bring your toothbrush. It's okay. You know, if he hadn't brought the Confederate flag, he probably would have walked. He will be he will remain free until he must report to prison at a date to be determined. An unpunished insurrection 
becomes a dress rehearsal for the next one. Oh, uh, hi, Kyle. Subject line. Oh, fuck's sake. Oh, God, here we go with the heritage, not hate bullshit again. Time to start drinking. Also, if you don't want to be viewed as a racist, don't be a fucking racist. True. All of that is true. Uh, Baltimore Bob, Civil War prisoners. I don't think any Confederates served any time after the Civil War. President Andrew Johnson granted them amnesty. So the January 6th insurrection has served more time, little as it is so far. Sad. Historians are still debating all of that. You know, we we had we had former Confederate officers who who actually were part of the United States military when we engaged in our little imperialist adventure in Cuba. Fighting Joe Wheeler from Alabama, being one of them. if I recall correctly. And, of course, Longstreet, whom Confederates have, uh, and, and Confederate sympathizers have hated for a century and a half because of his performance at Gettysburg. You know, if Longstreet hadn't dragged his heels, we would have won. <sighs> he actually put down an insurrectionist riot in New Orleans later on. Uh, thanks, Baltimore Bob, and thank you, Kyle. Might be a little early to start drinking, Kyle. Got a lot more. Con- we, got, we got a lot more stuff in the stack. Although, having a swirly straw on hand is always helpful. Here's a here's a story that was unsettling. A Democratic member of the House from Minnesota, Angie Craig, who is the first openly out LGBTQ plus member of the from Minnesota, was attacked this morning in the elevator of her apartment building in D.C. Her chief of staff, Nick Coe, said, Representative Craig defended herself from the attacker and suffered bruising, but is otherwise physically okay. The assailant fled and has not been caught. The Metropolitan Police Department report said that she first spotted her would-be assailant in the lobby of her building. This raises a question. How did he get in there? And notes that Representative Craig thought he was acting erratic as if he was under the influence of an unknown substance. How, how, can, you, how can you tell that from uh, the behavior of your... Ordinary, everyday, hopping up and down, barking and grunting and hooting, maggot. Beats me. So he got in the elevator with Representative Craig, 
at which point in time he started doing push-ups, then punched her in the chin and grabbed her by the neck. And then she threw a scalding hot cup of coffee at him, which is when he turned and ran. Capitol Police issued a statement earlier today as well, saying that uh, there's no indication that the Congresswoman was targeted because of her position. How can you know? The guy is uh, still at large. Kyle caught on right away. Oh, goody. I guess the old homophobia is the side effect of drunkenness excuses here again. Gay panic, uh, gay panic defense, if they ever catch him. And then this somewhat anodyne closing paragraph from NBC News. Members of Congress experienced an increase in threats of violence after the January 6, 2021 attack on the Capitol leading lawmakers to plead with leadership for more funding for personal security. The number of threat investigations decreased last year, but U.S. Capitol Police Chief Tom Manger said in January that the rate was still too high. Somehow I feel like it might be beneficial to maybe note who's getting the lion's share of the threats. Was it Eric Swalwell that recently released the audio of the viciously vituperative and hateful uh, phone messages left for him? Targeting his kids? Yeah, but the the crazy dude in Brett Kavanaugh's neighborhood, Brooga Brooga Warble Woosh Narf. who turned himself in before he did ever any harm. Maybe I'm just sensitized to this because, well, because. But when an out member of the LGBTQ community who happens to be a member of Congress is attacked in the elevator of her apartment building... Sorry. Sirens start flashing. Or sirens start screaming. Lights start flashing. Red flags begin flapping in the breeze. I don't know. Then there was the Republican councilwoman last week who was murdered in New Jersey. And apparently another Republican, well, he was murdered uh, yesterday, uh, but the guy who the guy who killed him was later found having blown his own brains out in a parking lot a short way away from where he had murdered his victim.
Kyle's Kyle's banging on all eight this evening. If it was Democrats doing it, they'd be under the jail already, and every media outlet would want them hanged for treason. But I O K I Y A R. It's okay if you're a Republican. Uh, Randy Radar said that Biden's performance might have been chemically enhanced. They probably gave him the go juice, just like they probably gave to Trump during his State of the Union speeches. I didn't see any evidence of that. Joe strikes me as the guy who might drink an extra cup of coffee just to boost himself a little bit, but he doesn't have the long history of drug abuse, verified history of drug abuse, see Noel Kasler. That um, the 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 mango Mussolini does. Where's my Adderall? <laughs> yeah. Dude has ter- dude has terminal clogged sinuses. I don't think it's allergies. And of course, it's a uh, Super Bowl weekend coming up. And if you watch the AFC and NFC championship games and a few other things, I've seen this, these things in various places. H- have you caught the new Jesus ads? Talking about how Jesus was an immigrant and how his parents had to flee the government. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, they come across as, you know, I'm a recovering Southern Baptist. They, my, my mama dressed me up in my, my little suit and my little red bow tie and sent me toddling off to Sunday school every Sunday when I was a kid. And I, it, the message was more like the Christianity I used to hear about, you know, loving Jesus, yada, 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 you know, just just like us. He gets us. One of one of the one of the He gets us ads is titled "The Rebel," and it shows some kids on bikes. I, I guess they're like a bicycle street gang or something. I don't know. He recruited others to join him. They roamed the hood and challenged authority. Community leaders feared them. Religious leaders abhorred them. We have to get them off the streets, they said. But they weren't part of a gang spreading hate and terror. They were spreading love. Jesus was wrongly judged. He gets us. All of us. Jesus. Um... Well, I, I've seen these things. There's, there's one about immigration. And like I said, they come off sort of liberal-ish. But they're not. They're paying some $100 million to run their little Jesus ads during the Super Bowl. This outfit's out there hustling him like, it, well, what's the line from Tim Minchin's Christmas Carol, White Wine in the Sun? 
A dead Palestinian press ganged into selling PlayStations and beer. The, the, <laughs> the minute I saw the first one, I thought, ah, somebody's up to something. And somebody is. Guess who's behind all this garbage? This proselytic garbage. Why, it's the Hobby Lobby people. You know, the same people who went to the Supreme Court to declare that their privately held family corporation had deeply held sincere religious beliefs that prevented them from being able to provide what Rush Limbaugh would go on to refer to as slut medicine for the people capable of becoming pregnant who happened to work for them. Mm-hmm. Here's another one of the stupid ads. This one's called Outrage. There was this controversial figure. Everywhere he went, people challenged him. They questioned his ideology, trolled him, called him ugly names. But he never took the bait, never raised his voice, refused to retaliate because he believed. Hold the fuck on. Is this the same Jesus I learned about? Refused to retaliate? He opened up a can of whoop-ass, if you believe the stories. He opened up a can of whoop-ass among the money changers in the temple. Called them a generation of vipers. Told the Pharisees that they were like whited sepulchers, all pretty and clean on the outside and full of corruption and death within. Never raised his voice? Really? Okay. He could change the world. Good luck in your senior year. I'm going to start using that because it's driving the for-profit media crazy. Biden apparently uses that a lot. And it's a... I, I think if you're, if you're familiar with Seinfeld, there's a line that appeared somewhere, somewhere during the run of that show... Good luck with all of that. By turning the other cheek. Jesus had to control his outrage, too. He gets us. All of us. Jesus. Jesus! Well... Again, the thing comes off very lefty, because this is a this is a squishy social justice Jesus. But this ad campaign actually has nothing to do with any sort of accepting liberal Christianity. Again, these are the Hobby Lobby people, and the reason they're doing this is because, not to get all Donnie Deutsch on my filthy morning habit. American Christianity is brand down, baby. Reportedly funded in part by the family that owns the notably religious craft store chain Hobby Lobby. 
And then there's another evangelical group called the Signatory. And, of course, other donors just want to remain anonymous. And it wasn't just the Hobby Lobby decision. Uh, the, the, the family, their name's Green, I believe, isn't it? Um, they tried to keep their stores open during lockdowns during the, 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 the Trump pandemic because they, frankly, didn't care how much disease they spread. And then they opened up a great big stupid Bible museum which they filled with Middle Eastern artifacts that had been stolen and got busted. There was actually a pretty good breakdown of what's behind this uh, this this insidious and dishonest campaign. Takes a little and nothing. bit. Let me get it properly queued up. In a video last week, I admitted that I'm an expert in nothing, and that was a very slight lie. Technically, the American educational system, for all of its faults, did decide that I do have an expertise in one thing that I spent a lot of money studying in college, advertising. That's right. I have a Bachelor of Science from Boston University's world-class advertising program, where essentially I learned how to bullshit people. That's why they call it a BS in communication. It's just talking bullshit. With that in mind, I have been very interested in some advertisements that I've seen lately, or as we say in the biz, TV spots. See, I wasn't BSing about that BS. I know the lingo. Here is one of the TV spots I saw the other day. There was a mother and a father who had a son. They lived in a small village and didn't have much money. But they were far away from the atrocities taking place in Bethlehem. That's all Mary and Joseph wanted. Jesus a was safe a place to call home. He gets us. All of us. Jesus. I'll admit, I laughed out loud when I realized that the product I was watching an ad for was Jesus. <laughs> and honestly, when I saw this next one, uh, my first thought was Buddy Christ. Buddy Jesus Christ. let his hair down, too. was like, you got to be kidding me. My man went out for cigarettes 2000 years ago and hasn't even sent a postcard since. And someone out there would like for me to invest in his brand. No, thank you. But hey, not all ads are for me, right? I mean, 
Most ads are explicitly not for skeptical anti-consumerist assholes like me. And these ads are super not for skeptical anti-consumerist ex-Baptist atheist assholes like me. But it seemed weird that I was seeing so many of these ads more and more often when I hardly ever even watch any TV that has ads on it. So clearly whoever is running this campaign thinks that I at least watch the same TV shows as their target demographic. And apparently the largest TV audience in the United States is about to see these commercials during these in two weeks. So I finally decided to look into what exactly is going on here. Did you know that on YouTube, you can't say Super Bowl because it's a brand, because the NFL owns it? That's why she beeped it out. By the way, Kyle, she's not a right winger. That's why she freely admits that she had a bullshit degree in bullshitting. The ads all link to hegetsus.com, a slick little site that offers people the opportunity to follow Bible reading plans, join a group of fellow fans of Jesus, or even to sign up for free text-based prayers. And it seemed like this was an Those attempt to get to casual Christians, as we used to call them in youth group, to become more engaged with whatever church they want. And sure enough, I found an article in Ad Age from 2021 that says that the group behind the campaign found that 54% of American adults are unsure about their faith or have a nominal faith in Jesus. More than half of skeptics are open to exploring more about Jesus, and nearly all skeptics and cultural Christians believe the world would be a better place if everyone lived Christ's teachings on peace, love, and forgiveness. The only problem being, of course, that, and this is not prayer meeting Wednesday, but you might as well know where the stupid ads are coming from. We all watch the Super Bowl for the ads, at least partially. And so at least the members of the Horn Family Community Congregation will be, will, will see these and say, oh, Because the problem is, none of the groups that are behind this ad campaign, Jesus, new and improved with 25% more grace. Are actually liberal Christian groups. Liberal Christian groups could not afford to spend $100 million on Jesus ads in the Super Bowl. Not to put too fine a point on it. Yeah, I, I get it. Kyle says, I stand corrected. I stepped away for a few minutes and didn't catch what rabbit hole she was going down. Every time I start to hear something this, like this, I just assume they are because, well, you know, you're not wrong. I mean, 20 years of this program, but, and 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 I don't mean to appropriate um, Ms. Watson, Rebecca Watson's work. This is this is a really good explanation. But again, a liberal, 
A liberal Christian group would not dump $100 million into a Super Bowl ad or all the other money that they've spent running. They're trying, they're trying to salvage the rep- reputation of Christianity because Christianity has spent, in particular, the last, oh, I don't know, how far back is it to Proposition Hate in California? Barking and grunting about people that Jesus doesn't like when Jesus hung out with all the people that they don't like. Assuming Jesus was real. Yeah, there's that whole Matthew 25 a bit business about if you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it also unto me. You don't get a hell of a lot least than uh, what was uh, what was Joe Scarborough saying this morning? Point uh, 0.03 percent of the population. That's how he keeps describing the trans community, as if we are so minuscule that, that, that we are not even worthy of notice. I kind of wish that was true. Especially the kids. But no. And I guess some people are waking up to this now, I, which feels weird to me because I've spent nearly 20 years... I coined the term the religion industry... Because it is. It's an industry that makes religion. And it is all tax-free. Hallelujah. And they have no and, and, and they have no more to do with the with the with the grace and love of Jesus Christ than well, I do with the acquisition of Maybach sedans. Oh my, 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 my petty, my petty, my petty little avarices do creep through from time to time, don't they? And you know what? I agree. You know, uh, from what I've read, Jesus seems like a pretty okay guy. He was anti-capitalism, pro-immigration, anti. Heretic, heathen, burn the witch. Death penalty. And it's not like one of those things where you can read a religious text and just pick and choose verses to support whatever you want. Jesus literally hulked out on people selling their wares in his temple. He was an immigrant. He was put to death by the state. You get it. For anyone who has actually read the Bible, which I think includes most ex-Christians, but very few current evangelicals, we know that if Jesus ding, of girl, the Bible ding. were to come back to earth right now, he would really hate the Republican Party. <laughs> Not to mention uh, the sight of all of those people wearing jewelry of the thing that he was nailed to. He probably wouldn't be a huge fan of that, especially if they Hi, bought it at Bruce. the church bazaar. My point being, if a group wants to convince more people to get excited about Christianity, I would prefer it be like this, you know, the fuzzy, nice, welcoming, progressive Jesus and not the Nazi Jesus that a lot of Republicans like to pretend is the real Jesus. You know, Christian nationalism, like marginal trailer queen and... Lauren Bobblehead Boobert are into, and Steve Bannon, muscular Roman Catholicism that he favors. Fascist Roman Catholicism. 
that he favors. And again, we're back to the hundred million dollar Super Bowl ads. If 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 there was if there was a group out there, if the, a, a liberal Christian group that had a hundred million dollars out there, it would be getting spent on, well, some executive director would have a pretty nice salary out of it, and some you know office staff, and there'd be a horde of volunteers. But the hundred million dollars would probably actually go to mm, housing for people without houses. Food for people without food. Uh, compassionate outreach, uh, outreach to people in prisons. Uh, Health care for people who were sick. Again, the stuff that comes from Matthew 25. Yeah, uh, uh, George Carlin too. Randy Radar pointing out. What did George Carlin say? God's all-powerful, but God needs money. Yeah, that's the story of the preacher who takes the collection every Sunday and after everybody's gone all the collections it's in big hat he goes out and he looks up at the sky and he says Lord here's all the money people gave to you today I'm gonna I'm gonna take all this money in this hat and I'm gonna throw it in the air and I want you to keep what of it you want and whatever comes back down I'm going to keep. Is that okay? Cool. Here you go. Look at that. Didn't want any of it. All mine. These days. But of course, when it comes to religion, it's never quite that simple, is it? Uh, Because religion is more complicated than just picking up the good things and dismissing the bad things. People do do that, but... The ease of picking up the good stuff and throwing away the bad stuff is a privilege for the free-thinking non-theists out there. Religions, by definition, come with sets of dogma, leaders who... Orthodoxy. Let's skip a bit, sister. Let's find out who the money is. AdAge reported that the campaign is funded by an anonymous group of billionaire donors from the faith-based nonprofit, the Servant Foundation. Who's that? Great question. Sources like Christianity Daily say that the Servant Foundation is this endowment fund run by the Church of the Servant, a wealthy Methodist church in the Oklahoma City suburbs. While the fund is also overseen by the Oklahoma United Methodist Foundation, I learned that the Church of the Servant is currently attempting to disaffiliate from the United Methodist church which has been happening quite a lot to quite a number of churches gee i wonder why because oddly enough when we still had an apartment in dc and we were working on the appalachian communities health emergency act the apartment we had was in the basement of the methodist building and that place was just chock-a-block with liberal christians you know the feed the, the 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 feed the hungry heal the sick house the homeless, clothe the naked, show compassion to the imprisoned. Matthew 25, Christians. And also, you know, St. James Christians, faith without works is dead. So, gee, I wonder why the Church of the Servant might be wanting to stop being Methodist? 
circumstances in recent years, thanks to the UMC's ongoing refusal to condone same-sex marriages and other basic human rights for the LGBTQ community. So good on those churches for wanting to disaffiliate. Not too bad, right? Well, some of them, not all of them. About half of the people attending the church that seems to be funding these ads would like to be inclusive to LGBTQ. Sure, could be worse. Well, hold on. We're not at the bottom of the rabbit hole yet because I saw another article refer to the Servant Foundation as being based in Missouri, which made me realize that there's just a bunch of different branches of the Servant Foundation, and the Servant Foundation is actually just a DBA of the signatory. DBA stands for doing business as, and it's a way for a company yes, to legally come up with an alias that lets them brand themselves in a different way for a different audience. So really, the funder of these ads is the signatory, which is run by these guys. Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Let me just turn up the contrast a little bit. There. There they are. The Signatory is a donor-advised fund, or DAF, dedicated to spreading evangelical Christianity until they can write the last check to the last missionary to be sent out to the last unreached people group so that the last person can hear the gospel, which I'm pretty sure is going to be on that island full of people that murder anyone who gets close. But, you know, you guys do you. Uh, that is really the... I love her a lot. <laughs> Because I, I knew where she was going. You do you, boo. More missionary. And, and, but it's really not funny because they have, the, the people on that island have literally had no contact with modern humanity. And the entire island's population could be wiped out by the sniffles, let alone COVID. Yeah, you know, what's that, Lee, in New York? Uh, subject line, Chick-fil-A, I expect that their next ad campaign might be like this, because you cannot have wine and wafers every day. Eat at Chick-fil-A. Oh, if you want gross, and this is, I am not making this up. Chick-fil-A has just introduced, I will not be trying it, their new fried cauliflower sandwich. Because not all hateful Christians are gluten tolerant. I mean, being intolerant kind of goes with being a Chick-fil-A Christian, doesn't it? Only thing on their website that is sort of concrete and not some generic feel-good lorem ipsum text. And there's a reason for that. You know, the entire point of donor advised funds is to just set up a way for wealthy people to funnel money towards their pet causes with zero accountability. As I mentioned in a video in 2021, conservatives are using DAFs as a way for the fossil fuel industry to pump money into climate change misinformation. And the Southern Poverty Law Center wrote that same year that DAFs push extremism into the mainstream by becoming the dark money ATM of the conservative movement. That one's from a Mother Jones article. For the signatory, they're all of that with a distinct Christian flavor. In addition to the He Gets Us campaign, the signatory has also given money to creationist kooks, answers in Genesis. He gets us. We get yours.
and SPLC designated hate group Alliance Defending Freedom, as reported by Chrissy Stroop over at Religious Dispatches, who I was very glad to find because my eyes immediately crossed while skimming the list of hundreds of ministries the signatories godly gazillionaires support. Because of the way DAFs operate, we have no... Hold the hell on. If Godly Gazillionaires is not the name of a punk band by tomorrow morning, well. Way to know who the billionaires are who are funding this campaign tax-free, and therefore what their ultimate motivations might be. Luckily, many billionaires are, contrary to popular belief, incredibly stupid, which is how I know that at least one of them funding this campaign is David Green, the founder of Hobby Lobby. Green went on Glenn Beck's show last November to brag that we are about to see the He Gets Us ads he funded on this right after. Big game. Well, Arnold, yeah. Jesus was an MFer. Well, if you buy into the whole idea of the Trinity, I mean, literally, right? Right. Uh, onward. After he talked about winning that court case that allowed his company to stop their employees from using their own personal insurance to pay for birth control pills. He literally segued from celebrating denying women's health care to complaining about being hated for being a Christian to bragging about paying like $14 million for 60 seconds of airtime during the genius. So yeah, the touchy-feely ads for Jesus may have a dark underside. Shocking, I know. Next up, why those cool ranch Doritos aren't actually as cool as you've been led to believe. (laughs) While researching all of this, I came across a number of people who think that this is all going to backfire for the religious. I sure hope so. Right. Mostly because, like, if you have to advertise for Jesus, that means Jesus has already failed as a product. I'm not quite that optimistic. I think in general, people, especially smart people who think of themselves as free thinkers, underestimate the power of advertising. I assure you that Doritos and Bud Light and Coca-Cola are not in financial trouble. Their products are selling just fine, but they still have a healthy advertising budget, and you're probably going to see them during the You aren't immune to marketing just because you notice it when it happens to be a product you personally find repugnant. I suspect that these ads will draw in a certain subset of people. Because there is a certain subset of people who gladly gave up their nickel to go and see the egress. I mean, I've never seen an egress. Have you seen an egress? Is that is that like a girl eagle? 
And then they found themselves outside the circus and had to pay another nickel to get back in. Because although it is apocryphal, it is ascribed to P.T. Barnum. There's a sucker born every minute. And so, will they make $100 million for what they've expended for the Super Bowl? Maybe not. But it doesn't really matter. Because the funding structure of all of this trash is tax-free. Hobby Lobby Green, he gets to write off every penny that he gives to this ugly little donor-advised fund. You know, as Abbott said to Costello, every cent of it. So you, well, at least at least if if this thing runs while you're watching the Super Bowl, and we all we all will. I'm probably gonna go over and watch with my friends at Maggie's. Um, because well, putting on a feed over there, the food's always good. Good people, good friends. But Rebecca, Rebecca Watson, and by the way, if you want to see this whole video, and I advise you, I suggest you do. It's, it's, she's wonderfully informative and entertaining. Who's behind those Jesus ads you're going to see during the big game? It's at YouTube. And you might even want to share it around. so pe- Because that liberal lammy Jesus has absolutely nothing to do with David Green and Hobby Lobby and his weird family. And this country needs to be more religious to about the, to about the same degree that I need to be more male or masculine. But the problem is there's no... There's no downside for them. And of course, I can remember in years past when organizations would want to run ads, and the network would say, nope, 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 can't do that. Nope, won't work. That's too political. We can't have ads about that during America's national stylized violence orgy. Oh, there she goes, criticizing football again. Well, it is. And, well, I guess it's just typical for this country, isn't it? It's interesting when people from other countries 
mar- remark on our obsession with praying and pledging and singing the national anthem before every sporting event. Because somehow or another, sporting events manage to happen all over the globe without a prayer orgy. Or even playing, let alone singing, the national anthem. But our patriotism here in the United States is performative. True patriotism would be something like maybe actually understanding the history of this country. Voting every time you get the opportunity. Helping other people to vote. You know, if we all did that on our side, no Republicans would ever take office again. Because we outnumbered, they got more guns, but we uh, we got more votes. Kind of gives you an idea of which way this country's probably headed, doesn't it? It's all performative. Our patriotism is performative. Our religion is performative. Our politics is capitalist. I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer here. But God, you've got, I mean, we, we, we at least like to think on our side of the great political debate that we're realistic about it. That's what's so odious about all these barking, grunting, hooting, moaning, howling maggots shrieking madly away about critical race theory, the transgenders. We know it's cynical. We know it's just a cheap and cheap and tawdry means of working up the rubes. Which reminds me, well, no, hold on. Um, Someone's been on the stress line for eons. Not eons, but... Uh, oh, by the way, um, Ralph still has 25 bucks out there waiting uh, if anybody wants to kick in 25 so she can double it for you to 50 And that would get us down to $710 to go fundraising-wise. This mad dash to pay a ridiculous, pa- a ridiculous power bill and the rest of the bills that plague, plague me on a... Regular basis. Let's find out who's on the stress line. Hey, welcome to the program. I hope I'm coming through louder and clearer than I was the last time, Michael. Robin? Dave, it's a miracle. It is? Yeah, we done laid, uh, we, we done <laughs> laid the healing hands of faith on the roadcaster and the telephone and the, and, and the Bluetooth ether, and here we are. Well, the goddess of irony is a good goddess, <laughs> Tempt her yes, not. Ma'am. Tempt her not. I, no, no, far from it. Because, uh, as you know, my beloved ex-wife is a uh, a manifestation of the goddess of irony. Uh, she <laughs> she went to the VA last week, and she tore strips out of them. Well, you've got to wait a week, and Christine's like, I've been waiting a year. And she's not real happy. We did spend her birthday together. I spent 
four daylight hour hours, three nights, four days, in her blind, helped her organize a few things. Um, and she, uh, by the way, she sends her love. She, I talked to her earlier this evening. I told her, I'm going to talk to Robin. And she said, well, tell her I said hi. So, uh, the uh, the uh, reporter that died, you know, their mama casting him. Honest to God, Robin, the first thing I thought of when I heard that story, Cass Elliott, back in the seventies when she died, you know, and the. Uh, and the beast bags were like, well, she choked on a chicken salad sandwich or some bullshit. And her, her, uh, her daughter said, no, mom died of heart failure. Wait, it might this, hold on, Dave. Might this be uh, an example of the Mandela effect? You know what that is, where, yeah, look it up. But I see, I, wasn't it? And now you're really challenging my memory, wasn't it? Uh, why am I thinking Elizabeth Taylor? But then John Belushi, who wasn't dead yet, did a skit on SNL of whoever it was choking on a piece of chicken. And then John Belushi died shortly thereafter. And the first thing, the first thing, the first wild-ass rumor to come around in that pre-internet era was that uh, he had died um, choking on a piece of chicken because, you know, divine retributive justice or some such shit as that. And I think I lost Dave, and I don't know how I did that. Let's see if this is Dave again. Are you there, Dave? Yeah, Robin, for some reason, my phone dropped. Okay, that was weird. Um, At least it's not my fault. No, no, and I know well enough to call back. No, but they, um, when I was a kid, much older than uh, this family's children, and my parents would go out on vacation They'd lock us in the motel room and say, do not answer the door. And they'd go out to dinner or dancing or whatever. And we were good children. We stayed in bed. We might get up to go to the bathroom. But other than that, we stayed in the motel room. We didn't bother anybody, and we did not answer the door. Now, these children are obviously too young to do all that. But this this shaming of the parents is distressing. And if these were Republicans, Robin, there would be not one word said. How dare you violate the privacy of their suffering? Have I got it right? Well, yeah, well, uh, yes, and, and and don't forget, uh, because you're talking about good God-fearing uh, homosexual Christians, 
uh, Jeebus has to come in in all this. And uh, not Jesus of Nazareth, his evil twin brother Jeebus, um, you know, the prosperity gospel Jesus, that sort of thing. I'm thinking to myself, how many times when I was a child did I hear a story about Jesus scolding some rich kid, uh, telling him, you know, give all, give all you have to the poor and follow me. Well, and, and then of course the Bible says that the young man went away sad because he was wealthy. Well, you know, uh, helping others enriches you in other ways. It, and it's always funny. It's always funny, Dave, to watch Christians pretzelize themselves over that wealthy young man. Because that's where you get the whole thing. For verily, verily, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Do you know what an eye of the needle was Robin a gate in Jerusalem it was it, it was a small gate uh, it wasn't just Jerusalem other walled towns had these where you had to unpack camels to get them through this at night if you were going to be admitted to town yeah so it was like it was like uh, customs yeah. Yeah, that's what they're talking about. They're not talking about a metal, you know, a metal or bone piece that you sew with. Although the uh, the the right wing fundamentalists will say, "Well, it says needle, and it means a needle, by God." But that gate was called a needle. I have heard that before. I have never actually investigated that uh, as to its 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 uh, factuality. Uh, well, um, uh, as you know, I'm a recovering Catholic. And I had at one point in time in my life a study Bible that was, you know, the St. John's edition of the Catholic Bible. And in the middle, there were pictures. And it explained that that is what that means. Uh, but doesn't that provide an out for the rich people? Well, not really. I mean, if, if, because there are rich people who, uh, who did, who did, uh, did donate to the poor, did donate to widows and orphans, and, and if they were Christ followers, uh, their communities that they would spend, spend money on their communities to make sure that the, the poorest members had food, shelter, medicine, because they felt that God had called them to do these things. And we're talking really early in the church. And 
they they were quite a bit secretive about it, uh, and they, you know, would deny that they, in some cases, but go, uh, well, no, I'm not a Christian, but I, I uh, paid one of my slaves to make an offering to the emperor's genius thereby not getting in trouble with Rome. I mean, there was hair splitting way back then. Oh, yeah. And, uh... Don't feel like being lion bait anytime soon. Well, it, it, it did it, it did help out a whole bunch when, uh, Constantine made the political decision of of legalizing Christianity and putting Christian leaders in positions of authority in his empire because they were less corrupt than the pagan Romans. Yeah, it wasn't that Constantine it wasn't that Constantine was a devout Christian. His mother may have been Helena. But 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 he only finished his conversion on his deathbed. And that not particularly well. And in the Orthodox Church, Constantine is considered Saint Constantine. So there's you know the, the the Greek thing. I didn't mean to get all prayer meeting Wednesday on you, Robin. But well, it kind of I kind of walked into it with the uh, business about those he gets us ads. Have you seen any of those? No, and frankly, I'm not watching the Super Bowl. Uh, I, I'm not going to participate in that orgy of stupidity. No, 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 don't be don't, don't be getting all elitist. Well, damn it, Robin! If they're going to have an orgy, they should have sent they should have by God sent the invitations out a couple of months ago. I could have prepared the food. I could have got yeah, everything ready, you know. But no, they decide they're going to do it their way. So assholes, I don't know. Well, I am the president of the North American Assholes Association, so I had no idea. But, but you the, are you are a man of many talents, many callings. But, but the association, well, see, the the association is there, Robin, to promote the positive aspects of assholery. You know, like calling religious stupid out on their hypocrisy and stuff like that. You know, stuff that could get me killed. Uh, <laughs> rather you didn't. I would rather I didn't either because that would make Christine really, really upset and alone, and that would be bad. So I do watch my mouth. However, I uh, I did go off a little bit over the weekend, and... Evidently, WTLC, which is a 
black-owned station here in Indianapolis, like, if you're going to organize in, in the black community, WTLC is the radio station you go to to get the word out. And before the uh, before the State of the Union, they were like, well, Biden hasn't done anything for the black community. And I'm thinking to myself, and what pressure did you put on him? Not just that. Do you not remember years ago when it turned out that uh, right, uh, right-wing candidates were buying time on, uh, and this, the, you know, this was the old term for the format, urban format stations? Uh, would that be uh, the melanin rich stations, Robin? Well, I, I don't know, but that's just what it was called back in the day when radio and records was still a thing. Oh God, and I'm old enough to remember those things. Yeah, um, it was the it was it was the it was it was to radio what. Uh, Variety is to Hollywood. Oh, anyway. Well, by the way, I just got another. I, I just got a note from Kyle, and he said uh, those he gets us ads. They're all over fucking regular TV too. I can't watch my Cleveland Cavaliers play now without seeing one at the mandatory timeout every quarter, and one at every quarter break, and two at halftime. It's ridiculous. They show more of them than damn ads for insurance. Whatever, 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 whatever happened to those simpler Halkin days when it was just all hard on pills? Oh, now, Robin, not not that you need to concern yourself. With no, those no, things. I, no, I'm a bitch. I know it. But but, uh, but uh, I uh, I once sat in front of a uh, an army medic. You know, if I had an erection that lasted four hours, I'd be calling the papers. And he goes, no, you wouldn't. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, at four hours, it starts to die. That's why we tell people, get medical help immediately. Uh, So (laughs) I got schooled. Uh, But... um, you know, the the thing is, Robin, we do not have a we do not have a lack of organizational skill on our side. Um, unfortunately it only comes forward when you have a shooting or some other horrid event. And, and I am tired. I swear to God, Robin, the next time I hear some right-wing dipshit say thoughts and prayers, I'm going to look over at him and go, God won't listen to your prayers, you damn fool. You've been saying that shit for 20 years, and it ain't gotten any better. But <clears throat> I'll, I'll probably be escorted out in bracelets. If I so much as raise my voice to them here in Calabandiana. Because I'll be labeled a terrorist, Robin. 
Oh, the, that 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 that's a trial I want. I guarantee you, that's a trial I want. Because I'm going to look over at my lawyer and go, "Yeah, so if they find me guilty, I have diabetes and other health problems. They can fucking pay for it until I'm dead." And watch them freak out. Because I, I talked to a friend of mine who is a former prosecutor, and he goes, you don't know how many times I've argued the defense's position that a disabled defendant should be released to the community because they're not a danger to anyone. And the cost for their housing and their medical is on them. And I, 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 I don't know. We need to get organized in, in, uh, in, in a very major way. And I'm not just talking black activists. I'm talking hillbillies in West Virginia. I'm talking disabled assholes across the country. Because I guarantee you, you want an inspiring film, watch Crip Camp on Netflix. It's about the birth of the um, disabled rights movement. It's very funny. And it deals with a summer camp in New York where back in the 60s and the 70s, Disabled kids spent the entire summer and they organized themselves and they made decisions by group consensus and, and really they got schooled in advocacy. Uh, this was a camp in New York and they ended up going to, uh, Berkeley. And part of the independent living movement. And Joseph Califano got called up on the carpet by these people because they occupied a housing and urban development office for, I don't know, it was like 45 days or something. And you had, you had allies coming in. Uh, the Black Panther Party came in with food. Uh, there was a, a, a nurse who was a lesbian and her partner would come in and, and wash the hair of individuals, uh, you know, and, and take care of their wounds and help take care of their medical needs. Uh, and when they, when the feds decided to cut off communications, the deaf looked over at everybody and said, we got this, <laughs> you know. So I, I recommend Crip Camp for anybody who, who wants a, a crash course in, uh, in, in disability rights. And remember I, I, I mentioned, uh, Enabling Acts, the book Enabling Acts. Oh, yeah. But 
came out in 2015, a lot of these same people were involved in advocating for the ADA. And thank God for Ted Kennedy. I mean, if the man gets remembered for nothing else, his uh, his advocacy for the Americans with Disabilities Act was critical. Because for him, it was a civil rights issue. And just like any other civil rights, the right wing want to do away with it. Uh, especially since Ted Kennedy was involved in passing it originally. Why the Kennedys are such a fetish object with the right, I don't know. But, you know, um, but even some members of the Kennedy family are turning into right-wing douches. So, I'm thinking Bobby Jr. for for one, and yeah, I know, I know. I I heard, I heard the stories you had about him, and it's disgusting. Well, it's not necessarily stories I have about him. It's the fact that he's out there trying to make. He busted his ass to try to make more people die of COVID. infuriating. I mean, his own family's repudiated him. Well, yeah. Uh, a lot of them are like, you know, we love Bobby, but there's something wrong with that guy. I don't know, yeah. that, I don't know that there is. You do not have to be mentally ill, Dave, to just be evil. Well, the reason I say mentally ill, and I'm not making excuses for him, Robin, is uh, his worldview and his approach makes absolutely no goddamn sense whatsoever. And I noticed that when his uncle Ted was still alive, uh, you know, Junior kind of kept his mouth shut. Um, you know, I have all kinds of mad respect for Sam Cedar, but giving giving Robert Kennedy Jr. a platform is probably not a good idea. Well, it was my understanding that he got booted from Ring of Fire years ago. You know, I... I avoided Ring of Fire for years because of that. And I mean, I, I know, I know Bobby, you know, and I, I, I know Bobby, and I know Pap, and I've met Sam. We've had some nice conversations. Right, right. But he's just gone off his fucking nut. Christine listened to some of his tirade, and she's like. How about table two? And this is a woman who's schizophrenic, rather. I mean, I don't make fun of people with a mental illness. But 
it's like Christine said, you still have to hold us accountable for our actions and what we say. There was a young man I knew that we lived in the same building as he did. He was schizophrenic. And he would make inappropriate comments about Christine and things like that. Years later, we ran into him and he apologized to us for his behavior. And he, he carried on a conversation with us that was fairly reasonable. And we told him, you know, we were proud that he was on his medication and doing well. But he, uh, he asked Christine a question about whether or not we were sexually involved with each other. And then he caught himself and said, oh, that's not an appropriate question. Christine said, you're absolutely right. It's not. But that's, that is as harsh a chastisement as Christine gave him because she understood the medical issues this young man had. Uh, you know, uh, Robin, if you want people to, if you want people to find patterns and things, put a, put a, put somebody with schizoaffective disorder on it. Because patterns is what they find. And in Christine's case, sometimes it's kind of spooky. Because I'm like, ah, that's nonsense. And then it goes on for about a week or two. And lo and behold, something she said was right. So I don't doubt that. And then she's like, yeah, we're always looking for patterns. It's just part of the medical condition. But she is on good medication. She's taking her metformin. And she is not snorting it, girl. So, yeah, um, she's with me on that. Yeah, I mean, don't, don't snort your <sighs> don't, don't metformin. Uh, but she's got extended release, and it's a lot better than what she had because um, going to the bathroom was an adventure uh, the way they had it set up earlier. And uh, see, Billable, I can edit myself. Look at you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm surprised I didn't uh, do do the header that David the Blind is on the air. Step away from your food. Yeah, that kind of thing. But, Probably need to no, make one I'm of those. Kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah. David the Blind is on the air. Step away from your lunch. Step away from the plate. Yeah. Put down, put down the glass and step away from your plate. Right, and no drinking out, out of your soda can, neither. <laughs> In case I happen to say something funny and I don't want it to go. How'd you know I, how uh, did you know I had a can of, uh, how'd you know I had a can of sparkling pineapple seltzer open? Ooh, girl, that sounds good. 
That's not a calorie in it, nor a sweetener, nor nothing. Just tastes like somebody just sliced, just, sli- little- just sliced into a fresh pineapple. By the way, I got to answer a question. I got to say a thank you. Thank you to Frank. Thank you, Frank, so much. Uh, Frank in Minnesota, thank you. Uh, Frank met Ralph's uh, Kayla in the Blinds Challenge. And so that means we are now down to $705 to go um, to finish funding for basically oh. the week. Thank you, Frank. Thank you uh, so much. Are, are we going to have to have a uh, a uh, Greek society of the blind? Of the blinds? I, well, I, I, I don't know. Um, there's, there's Kayla and there's Christine. Uh, I'm being, well, maybe we need well, a couple but, more. But, Kay, to make it but a, Kayla, Kayla is a kitty. Well, we're not species. True, true. We are not species here. Species. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. And why can't kitties be represented? I mean, I'll be, uh, as a matter of fact, I'll be, I'll, I'll be, I'll be a trans cat girl just to piss off, just to piss off the Republicans even more. Somebody get me some ears. Oh, there's a a, a song called uh, it, it's by a group called Da Vinci Code. It's called uh, Magic Kingdom in the Sky. And it's a, well, it's a call and response song, you know. And there's a line in it that says, all religions are practiced except for Southern Baptist. And I had to start laughing because they don't find shit funny. But, uh, but yeah, it's, I had uh, a bunch of food, and I listened to the uh, I listened to the State of the Union address, and promptly fell asleep during uh, that woman in Arkansas's response. Uh, and fortunately, I only woke up at the very tail end of her blathering, uh, so I didn't have to listen to her crap and upset myself more. But I'll tell you something, Robin. Those uh, right-wing douches who say uh, that Biden is slow or he's sleepy Joe or any of that shit, I think uh, he put that to bed on them um, that night. I mean, they'll still do it because they're Republicans and well, they can't help themselves. But because they don't want to pay for anything, even advertising. Yeah, no. Uh, you got to no. wonder. You got to wonder where all these Jesus ads, you know, what the billionaires are getting out of it. Because they're getting something, Robin. 
Well, like, 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 like I said earlier, there's there's no downside to this. They write everything. They get to write everything off because it's sincerely held religious belief. Uh-huh. And they probably will recoup a good bit of it from the rubes. Well, Jesus told me to give them my soul. Yeah, like I said, it's, it's the nickel you spend yeah. to, this way to the egress, and then it's another nickel that you spend coming back in, plus the nickel you spent in the first in, in the first place getting in. And don't forget lunch, Robin. Oh, you well, got a couple yeah. those battered those battered dip corn dogs. Oh, you, you got a couple of nickels going out the door that way too. Oh, without so, a doubt. Uh, anyway, I'm gonna let somebody else get on here, and uh, I, I just wanted to let y'all know uh, they're still doing it, and we need to call them out on y'all. They're still doing it. You're absolutely right. Absolutely. And by the way, uh, Ralph's just Ralph's just sent me a link to some adorable little cat girl ears. So why the hell not? Again, just right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I I I went to the uh, I went to YouTube Music, and I looked up because they sing in English a lot. A lot of this. Like, Pussy Riot, because I was like, what the fuck is, is, is Vladimir's shit about this band? And I listened, and girl, I'm so proud of them. I'm, yeah, they're I'm, badass. These, these are women who are, these women are badass. <laughs> um, Anyway, I'll talk to you all later. All right, and give our best to Christine, okay? I I, I will, Robin. All right. You take care, Dave. Good night. Bye. My buddy Dave calling from the blind. Uh, I did see the headline uh, cross uh, as while we were talking via the New York Times, and uh, uh, Kim in New York wrote and said, Holy moly, just got home and saw this. Breaking. Mike Pence has been subpoenaed by special counsel Jack Smith. Now the question becomes one of, will Mike Pence honor the subpoena? Is he willing to roll those dice? I mean, Stevie Three Shirts didn't honor a subpoena, and all he got was four months, and he he doesn't even, uh, four months on contempt of Congress, and he doesn't even have to show up. Of course, not showing up for Jack Smith is a slightly different affair because this isn't a congressional subpoena. This is the real kind. And <laughs> just because you guys are... Uh, Randy Radar wants to know, No, really, how'd you fix the Bluetooth Roadcaster phone thing? I have no idea. I, I tried that... Uh, I, essentially, I tried that time-honored suggestion from... Level one call center workers the world over. I turned shit off and turned it back on again. The roadcaster, the phone, the router, all of it. And when I came back, everything was good. 
It's a miracle. Uh, Randy Radar reminds us, the Super Bowl for non-fans is a great time to go shopping. The service isn't great, but there's no one else in the store. But, well, all the Doritos are gone. There's not a can of Rotel nor a block of Velveeta to be had. The Bisquick is gone. The shredded cheddar is gone. The rolls of sausage are wiped out. The cocktail weenies probably haven't been seen for days. The grape jelly's gone. The barbecue sauce is gone. I basically just named off a typical Super Bowl snack table. Sausage balls, cocktail weenies, Doritos and salsa, and, of course, Rotel dip. Oh, I miss it. Sometimes I do. I, I, I miss. Stop it. I miss my chips. I miss my chips. I don't have to worry about the Rotel and the, and, and, and the Vel- Velveeta. Don't give me shit about the Velveeta because, well, the Velveeta just make, melts better for purposes of making Rotel dip. It's just a fact. Um, oh, and uh, Ralph's reminds us, and Puppy Bowl and Kitten Bowl is on as well. That's true. I know where you'll be tuned in, Ralph's. So a lot of speculation going on with uh, the, the the Pence subpoena. People suggesting that Jack Smith must be pretty deeply into his investigation because Pence would be the last guy you'd call right before you, you know, short of subpoenaing Nitwit Nero, who won't show up and would just sit there and, and well, perjury could be fun too. I don't know. I don't know if he'll subpoena him. I did see that Nitwit Nero was throwing a fit, or since, like, yeah, okay, dog bites man, right? Joe Biden's coming to Florida today in one of his first stops since his disastrous State of the Union address. The puppet of the radical left, who is hell-bent on destroying our great country, actually believes he can win Florida. The very state I flipped back into conservative hands for the first time in over a decade. We will run him out of Florida in a landslide. We will crush Biden and Kamala in every last battleground state of 2024, just like we didn't in 2020. Believe me. I want a little something out of Missouri, Stan. Hi, Kenda. Remember, this is a this is a state legislature that only recently was denying women the the women in the legislature the right to bear arms. B a r e a r m s. They're perfectly uh, they're perfectly willing to have women men. Non-binary people, what have you, carry AR-15s in, I'm sure. But they have, uh, no really. The geniuses of the Missouri legislature, get, get the hockey puck. Yesterday, they voted against, and I'm not making this up, 
Banning minors from openly carrying firearms on public land without adult supervision. Not only did they manage to do that, it was 104 to 39. You know what this is about. This is, this is so our freedom-loving freedom freedom young men can go out in the woods with their shooting with their shooting guns and go a hunting when that when uh, when when you know uh, quickers are old enough to toddle police had actually asked for the change to say that kids can't wander around but they can't get gender affirming care oh hell no but they can, the police had begun being a little worried about 14-year-olds walking down the middle of the street in the city of St. Louis carrying AR-15s. Now, Donna Berenger, a Democrat, said they've been emboldened and they're walking around with them until they actually brandish them and brandish them with intent. Our police officers' hands are handcuffed. So, you know... Support the police until you don't. This from Flavio, Darwin Awards winner. Leandro Mathias de Novi's gun went off due to magnetic field in the MRI scanning room. This is a case of the gun just went off. See also via Joy in Ann Arbor. Oops, blam, pray. Story comes from Sao Paulo, Brazil. A lawyer was accidentally shot by his own gun after he failed to remove it before going into a hospital MRI scanning room. The 40 year old is said to have failed to tell hospital workers that he had a gun on him after being told to remove all metal objects before entering the scanning room. The magnetic field from the MRI scanner pulled the pro gun lawyer's weapon uh, from his waistband and it went off shooting him in the guts. He died three days ago after battling for his life. He had 12,000 followers on TikTok and Instagram, and he shared pro-gun stuff. Sorry, I guess we're doing a, a sort of belated prayer meeting Wednesday, but... Put up thy sword into in, into his place, for he that lives by the sword shall die by the sword. Guns don't kill people. MRIs kill people. And stupid lawyers. That too. Uh, okay. Uh, since you're meowing, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lee in New York, uh, under the subject line, Caddy says, I want to know which was your favorite? Julie Newmore, Eartha Kitt, Lee Merriweather, Michelle Pfeiffer, Halle Berry, other. Oh, I'm a Julie Newmore girl. She was tall like me. And she also got a move, you know, too long food. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmore. Which, if you watch it, is not about drag queens. About trans women. I mean, especially 
uh, Lita Bohem. She's full-time. She's trans. And some drag queens are trans. Which reminds me, I got a note from Manila, the capital of the Philippines today. It sounds like uh, Matt, more typically of San Francisco, and his beloved husband are on their way home. And he, he offered up his, uh, his thoughts on last night's discussion of, well, fashion. Matt noting from Manila. Caught the podcast. The only way a drag queen would be caught in that yellow dress was if it had a banana headpiece and a 12-inch Chiquita label on the front. Find Matt in Manila. Safe travels back home, Matt. Once again, a Jimmy Buffett song comes to mind. They don't dance like Carmen no more. She had a big hat. My, it was high. Bananas and mangoes all piled to the sky. She and Okugi, my, what a pair. Just a doing the rumba as no one else dared. The things that live in my brain. Well, it is a Thursday here, and by the way, thank you so much again uh, to Frank and to Ralphs for getting us down to 705, another, oh, six bucks, and we will not have a four-digit funding hole to fill tomorrow. That would be great. For sure, Matt, says Ralphs. You know, there was a jingle. Again, the things that reside in my brain. Based on the Chiquita Banana logo. And all I remember of it is, I'm Chiquita Banana, and I'm here to say, I am the top banana. I, th- I, think, th- I think that's what it was. But I'm not going to go looking around YouTube to find it. I bet it's there. And thanks to Alex for the suggestion about the email uh, the, the uh, email portal. And thank you to Brother Deacon Asa for implementing it. It worked. Thank heaven. It worked. After a while, the, uh, the inducements to, to click links to porn become a little wearisome. But like I said, it is uh, it, it is Thursday, and that means we have Brad and Desi in the Green News Report. Let's see what those two wacky kids are up to. It's Thursday, February 9, 2023. To maintain the strongest economy in the world, we need the best infrastructure in the world. President Biden touts climate action and infrastructure upgrades in State of the Union address. Law enforcement officials said their plan was to, quote, completely destroy the city. FBI disrupts neo-Nazi plot to attack Baltimore's power grid. Plus, Minnesota is not going to wait any longer. Minnesotans are not going to wait any longer. Minnesota enacts amb- 
ambitious law to go 100% carbon-free by 2040. All of those ambitions and more straight ahead from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comments. And my Republican friends who voted against it as well. I still get asked to fund the projects in those districts as well, but don't worry. I promised I'd be a president for all Americans. We'll fund these projects, and I'll see you at the groundbreaking. Oh, snap. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen. We have seen a lot of State of the Union addresses in our days, <laughs> yes. but boy howdy, was that a thriller on uh, Tuesday night. Indeed, in his second State of the Union address on Tuesday night, President Joe Biden highlighted his major legislative accomplishments, including new laws helping veterans exposed to toxic burn pits and long-deferred infrastructure repairs and projects now getting underway under the bipartisan infrastructure law. Biden touted direct benefits to everyday Americans from that bill and the Democrats' landmark climate and infrastructure bill signed into law last year, the Inflation Reduction Act. Both laws have generated a surge of major infrastructure projects, domestic manufacturing projects, and thousands of new jobs, which Biden characterized as an investment in America's long-term resilience. The Inflation Reduction Act is also the most significant investment ever in climate change. Lowering utility bills, creating American jobs, leading the world where we're building for the long term. New electric grids that are able to weather major storms and not prevent those forest fires. Roads and water systems will stand the next big flood. Clean energy to cut pollution and create jobs in communities often left behind. Biden also chided congressional Republicans for opposing both bills, framing action on the climate crisis as a moral obligation. Let's face reality. The climate crisis doesn't care if you're in a red or blue state. It's an existential threat. We have an obligation, not to ourselves, but to our children and grandchildren to confront it. I'm proud of how how America at last is stepping up to the challenge. And I'm proud about the fact that after years and years of complaining that presidents were not even mentioning the climate in their State of the Union address, we now have a president who is touting some huge accomplishments in that regard. Yep, and Biden also, by the way, called for higher taxes on the oil and gas industry, Good. which hit all-time record profits in 2022, and he criticized the industry for keeping supplies tight and prices high, exacerbating inflation as Americans struggled to afford energy and food. And in the middle of a war, something we used to call war profiteering. Because of those record profits, British oil giant BP this week announced it is watering down its climate pledge to reduce emissions by 2030 while increasing its investments in oil and gas. Who could have guessed it? Big Oil's record profits in 2022 have renewed calls to repeal billions in permanent tax breaks and subsidies that are given to the oil industry every year. How about we just repeal the oil industry? In other news, the Federal Bureau of Investigation announced 
announced this week the arrests of two neo-Nazis who the agency says were plotting to shoot up multiple electric grid substations in Baltimore, Maryland. In a racially motivated attack that they hoped would cause widespread disruption and spark a race war. An FBI bulletin in November warned of threats by domestic violent extremist groups to attack critical infrastructure to, quote, create civil disorder and inspire further violence. Since 2016, white supremacist plots targeting energy systems have dramatically increased in frequency. How targeting power grids somehow leads to a race war is kind of beyond me. Then again, I'm not a Nazi. Finally, with Republicans holding the U.S. House majority, climate action is stalled in Congress for at least the next two years. But states are picking up the slack. In Minnesota, Democratic Governor Tim Walz signed into law one of the nation's most ambitious climate laws, requiring the state's electric utilities to reach 80% renewable generation by 2030 and fully 100% carbon-free electricity by 2040. Nice. That's one. Just 49 other states to go. (laughs) For much more on all of these reports and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks, Twitters, and Mastodons at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. I want to break free. God, I love that. I really do. So, not a lot of time left in the program this evening, but time enough for a conversation if you want. And then while we're at it, we can also also check in with uh, my filthy morning habit. That bunch, uh, they, I don't know. So somebody must have put something in the water. Because they've been they've they've been they've been a peppy little morning zoo crew lately, and today was particularly fun. For some reason, so one of the one of the producers booked former Nitwit Nero Defense Secretary uh, Christopher Miller. He was Defense Secretary for all of. Two months. And he agreed to come on. And it did not go... Well, it, it didn't go well. Pretty weak. So, 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 Jonathan, you wrote the book on January the 6th. Please fill in gaps for us here yeah, before as, we go to New York. I mean, certainly, as you know, there were calls from congressional leadership. Eventually, the vice president said, we need the National Guard. Here. Already been activated, So, John, at that point, at 11.04, so got the requested, or I'm sorry, at 3.04, got the requested at 1,500, 3 p.m. Is that when the vice president called? Is that No, he called way later. 
Uh, Secretary McCarthy came in with a request for additional support. I'd already made the decision we were going to activate, but you got to let the, and this isn't some bureaucratic thing. You got to let the process move. So you, you said 304 and, and, and who made that request that got you guys moving at three o'clock? Secretary McCarthy and General McConville of the Army Chief of Staff showed up at my office, said, here it is. We've got the request. Did you from whom? From uh, the mayor of uh, Washington, D.C. Oh, okay. Did you ever hear from President Trump that day? No, didn't need to. And it, Okay. And in that moment, after watching his action or inaction that day, there were other concerns, David knows this well, voices of the military, that in these, he, President Trump was still in office for two more weeks at that point, that he might use the military at some point then, call for some sort of either strike or, you know, overseas or potentially deploy the try ask to give you some sort of order uh, at home. Did you share that concern? No, not in the least. I just thought... I thought it was just political bluster and hyperbole, and uh, I knew that I was very confident. Based on my experiences with the president's decision-making in national security and foreign policy, we've been through a couple a couple uh, repetitions by this point. I wasn't concerned at all. You didn't think that he might invoke the Insurrection Act? No. You talked about it? No, uh, because I've been told that he was wasn't going to invoke the insurrection. Who, who, who told you that? I heard that from uh, his one of his people, Johnny McEntee. The, uh, he was on that day. He said the president. No, not on that day. A couple of days prior. So I was I wasn't concerned. I mean, I'm just telling you. Okay, I guess I the. But every secretary of defense preceding you was concerned. Yeah, and I mean, just watching him and knowing him, how could you not be? He's very unpredictable, and he says he's going to do certain things, and uh, people have learned over time to believe him. Um, and you know, you look at different events in this presidency, starting at Charlottesville. Maggots you didn't maggot. have any of these concerns. When we were dealing with foreign policy, and national security decisions, all of my experiences, interaction with the president, and his decision making, I was very comfortable with. I, if I wasn't, I would have left. I mean, that's how it works. Let, let, let's go to New York. Mike Barnacle is going to ask you a question on that camera. Mike, Colonel, uh, Colonel Miller. Uh, Thank you for being here and thank you for your over three decades worth of service during which you earned a lifelong goal, CIB, the Combat Infantry Badge. Uh, there's a lot in this book. I read it last night. Uh, I'd like to ask you about a couple of things specifically. One is a meeting in the Situation Room that you're having and General uh, Milley, General Mark Milley, the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs is there, along with General Frank McKenzie, United States Marine Corps, ran Afghanistan. Towards, towards the conclusion of our involvement in Afghanistan. And you say about them, they quote, they were either lying or were possibly incompetent, unquote, mm -hmm. in their reaction to specific events during that meeting. Uh, you described Donald Trump during the Baghdadi situation where Baghdadi was killed as, quote, he was the definition of courageous presidential decision making. Uh, back to General McKenzie and General Milley. You indicate you had sort of a back and forth with them and they were involved in a turf war, as you explained it. And you describe it as, quote, a petty turf war, the only kind of war they were actually good at winning. My question to you is, I didn't see anything in the book that I read, and I might have missed it, uh, where you get to the point where your boss, Donald J. Trump, interfered actively in the transfer of legally constitutional transfer of power. Why is that? Mike, first off, it's 
the most important story that's in the book that or is not in the book was uh, when I was going down the Linway at about 110 miles per hour with my pregnant wife out of Marblehead, Massachusetts, to go to Mass General so she could deliver our child. And, of course, uh, that was Christmas Eve, the day after Christmas, the 26th and 0200 in the morning. And uh, I know you're a big fan of Swampskit Marblehead football, and I just wanted to say thanks for, you know, supporting everybody up there. Your question, though, uh, and I'm serious, thanks for, you know, that there the question. Is High quality obfuscation. Uh, so the question is, why didn't I call out President Trump for being extra constitutional or, or trying to overthrow the government? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you, you, I've uh, been very clear. You're critical of of, of, of of a lot of people, but never of Donald Trump. Yeah, I've been very clear in previous uh, testimony and in public statements that I think his activities on uh, the 6th and with this, uh, with the transfer of power, we're not helpful. And I, I sound like I'm tap dancing now. I know, but it's like let's let the courts figure it out. We impeached the guy, and then uh, we had the one six, and they referred charges. So let's go ahead and see this out. You guys bring up the questions about the other secretaries of defense and all these things, and I'm like, yeah, let's, you know, in decision making and leadership, let's get as much information we can as we can, and we still are waiting for more information. So uh, courts, yeah. courts out for me. You know, Maybe. you can you can so criticize. I, you know, me. the other just just. That there is dropping 10 and punting. Let's let the courts set, uh, figure it out. Well, the courts weren't there. The courts make decisions based upon evidence. He has evidence. <sighs> Maggots. Oh, let's run over and uh, check in with Scott. Hey, Scott. Oh, Scott. There we go. I was coughing. Oh, better not to do that on the air. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's why God invented the cough switch. It's not the cough that carries you off. It's the coffin they carry you off in. Bingo. I, I have that uh, in a lovely framed sampler on uh, the west wall here at the mansion. Um, I don't know why I called. I do know why I called. Carmen Miranda. Did you see the, uh, Can you believe that? That a friend of mine appeared on national television in the early 80s. Uh, dressed, I mean, with fruit salad hat on down, Scarman Miranda. Is that? And that's Willard Scott. Willard H. Scott Jr. <laughs> and my one and only visit to um, to New York, the Big Apple, the city, was in the summer of '86. A friend and I from Kansas City. Well, for drove, for for the for the folks at home. I'm looking at a I'm looking at a photo here, and it took me a minute because I just made a reference to the Jimmy Buffett song. They don't dance like Carmen Miranda, or they don't yeah. dance like Carmen no more. Scott sends me an email with a photo in it, and I opened it up and went, "What the actual?" Fuck yeah! And then I had to then it, because I looked at the and holy shit, that's Willard Scott. Yeah. Here's Willard Scott in the Carmen Miranda dress. Well, here's the backstory. First of all, in 86, the summer of 86, a friend and I in Kansas City drove to D.C. And basically it was a three-week thing where we visited friends all up and down the eastern seaboard from D.C. all the way up to New England. Must have been a blast. Oh, it was great. And one of, one of the stops 
was I said, you know, I know Willard Scott. And he didn't believe me. And I said, it was in the uh, mid-morning, right, you know, like 9, 10 o'clock. I said, I'd bet you if we walk over here to 30 Rock, go into the lobby, tell the person at the desk who I am, <coughs> who I am that Willard will come down and say hello. And I wish I had a bet because that was an easy bet. <coughs> so anyway, I did all of that. About 10 minutes later, the elevator door opens up, <clears throat> pardon me, and bounding out of the elevator is Willard Scott and gives me a big old hug. I introduce my friend, all that, and he hands me an autographed photo of him done up like Carmen Miranda. Apparently, when he was a kid and during World War II, he used to put on shows for the neighborhood kids, and they would raise money for the USO. USO and his specialty was dressing up as Carmen. And apparently he did this as a uh, stunt to raise money for the USO now that he had a much bigger platform than his basement and a half dozen kids, uh, you know, during World War II on Commonwealth Avenue in Alexandria. And I, I just, I treasure it. I got back to uh, Kansas City after the trip and got a frame for it. And uh, it, it, it holds a place of prominence on my wall. And I, uh, I want to know where the hell he got shoes, because Willard is my size. And your size is large size? I'm 6'4", and uh, I, well, I weigh probably about 220, something like that. I'm a, I'm a uh, hulking uh, dollop, I think is the word that was once used to describe me. 6'4 uh, and 220 is not that big. Well, I used to be way more than that. And Willard, I think, at the time was way more than that. He later... The shoes are cute. They're platforms. Yeah. Ankle strap. But describe the two guys in the picture and the, the, what they're doing and what they're... Well, wearing. this would be called cultural appropriation now. Oh, okay. Well, I won't... Uh, One guy on... They're both wearing sombreros and the, and the, and the frilly... Uh, the, the frilly-sleeved... I guess they're mariachi shirts... Yeah, they're like pirate shirts, but with a Latin flair. One, one on, one on guitar, and the other on uh, mandolin. Yeah, and I forget the song that he sang, but apparently it was a song that uh, that uh, well, Bryant Gumble, who at the time was the, the co-host with I think uh, Jane Pauley, he didn't think he actually wanted to get Willard fired because he didn't think see. Today, unlike, he thought that uh, was beneath the dignity of something like the Today program. Well, because see, back in those days, Good Morning America over on ABC was under the entertainment division. The Today program, don't ever call it a show, it's a Today program, right, was yes. under the news division. And Bryant didn't, uh, didn't think that this was an appropriate thing, even though that's why they hired Willard to start with, to do the weather, to be the, the modern incarnation of J. Fred Muggs, a little levity on a heavy uh, news program. But anyway. That's, yeah, the, uh, uh, there's a lot going on down here, guy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But when you were mentioning, uh, when you mentioned Carmen, I said, well, I don't think I've ever sent this to Robin. No, you haven't. <laughs> I'll not soon be forgetting that. Yeah, well, it, it... Oh, by the way, Lee in New York, who never misses an opportunity. Scott was more than 6'4 and 220. How tall was he before? Well, no, I was I was 6'4, but I was... I think I had my, my ultimate weight. This was when I couldn't go down to the drugstore and put a penny in the, 
you know, uh, scale and get weighed. I had to go down to the uh, to the truck stop as you come into town. Yeah, right. Sure. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I think at one point I was all the way up to. I want to say 360. I was in bed. I've got a picture somewhere, and I looked like I looked like Mr. Michelin. The uh, the or this this. Now, I've been up in that neighborhood. It's not good for you. <clears throat> oh, it's definitely not good for you. And um, I think part of that had to do with some medication that I was on. I know I always blame the medication, but uh, right now I'm at. The doctor still wants me to lose some weight, but I'm nowhere near what well, I'm Well, I've still got some to lose, too. And, you know, back then when I got up in that neighborhood, I was, you know, eating my feelings. And now when you quit smoking, did that, uh, did you gain a lot? No, no. Because a lot of people do. That was one of my problems. I was glad to get rid of the cigarettes, but. Well, know, at things... the sa- at, but, but see, I had I had hormone therapy going on at the same time. Oh. So uh, I think it was rearranging my body chemistry at the same time. So, yeah. yeah. Well, just, you know, uh, I think we buy into uh, notions of image. And really, you've got to, it's got to be a self-determinative thing where don't let anybody push you around and say who you ought to be and how you ought to look. Ultimately, within limits. Oh, no, I'm good enough at that right. by myself. Well, yeah. See, because that's uh, that's not a good thing—a trap for people to fall into. And I know people who have spent their entire adult lives trying to reach a false notion, an ideal that is not really right or right for them. If I can figure out some way to do it, I would bet I would very much like to be like my height, <laughs> or a little less, and about one eighty-five. That would be just about optimal. Well, and it's doable. It's just a yeah, matter that's of... thir- you know that's that's thirty pounds away. Well, for those who like to cipher at home. Speaking of you... ciphering, by the way, thanks to our buddy Zed out in Iowa, uh, we are now down to six seventy five, six seventy five uh, to you know come up even, which means that we do not have a four digit fundraising hole tomorrow. Yay! So tomorrow we'll just be trying to raise Friday's show, today's show, yesterday's show, and um, $75 of Tuesday. Well, Friday is usually a, you know, in recent, over the recent months, Friday has always been a surprising day in terms of people getting to the end of the week and saying, Miracles and, yeah. I've not gonna done my good thing for the week, so let me uh, let me do it here where it's needed. So. Well, I'll save it for tomorrow. But anyway, I uh, I don't feel well. I I was up relatively late, but I slept. You know how sometimes you'll sleep hard, where you'll wake up after a long sleep and you will feel worse than you did before you went to bed. Yeah, I do. In fact, well, the way I dream, some nights I wake up more tired than. When I went to sleep. Oh, you had one of those dreams, yes. Where I worked all well, night, yeah. I don't remember a dream, but I just, just today when I got up, you know, earlier, hour or so ago, I was just not, uh, and even the coffee's not helping. So I may uh, putter around and then, uh, you know, hit the hay early tonight because I got still got stuff to do. 
But I always like to crank up the old horn endeavor and find out what the hell's going on. And it doesn't sound like things have gotten better based on what I heard. I'll, <laughs> I'll have to, uh, somebody is going to have to get a memo out to the people and say, now, look, enough of this shit. You know, <laughs> what the hell are you people doing? I guess. Not you, but I no, 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 no. Did I? Use no, it's 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 it's, K, it's Casey it's Casey Stengel with the first season of the Mets. You know, does anyone here know how to play this game? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But anyway, I I, I uh, you brought back a memory. You triggered. A... Well, what I want you to do after the after the program is hop on over to YouTube, and if you've never heard it before, now you have to listen to Jimmy Buffett's song. They don't dance like Carmen no more. It's okay. a, it's a sweet and sentimental thing. I like Jimmy Buffett. I know a lot of people, you know, say that, you know, it's like a cult following or whatever. Why does everything have to be reduced to a cult? Never seen a Jimmy Buffett concert, have you? No, I never have. I, I you know, and I never really, other than the... the it's the, like a dead show with less acid. I get my head around that. That's going to take at least it's a, a dead show. It's a dead show with margaritas instead of acid. But who is his audience? I mean, is there a demographic that's his a natural? No, you know what? Uh, I don't know if he's too. I don't know if he's touring. You know, because he's what he was born on Christmas Day, nineteen forty-six. So he'll be eighty in twenty twenty-six. I think he's still touring. But if you go to a, if you go to a Jimmy Buffett concert, it's everything from five-year-olds to seventy-five-year-olds. Why do they call them parrot heads? I never understood that. Well, you know, dead uh, people who follow the dead are deadheads. Well, yeah, I knew that. And so, uh, Jimmy Buffett is all, you know, Caribbean, Caribbean cool and all of that. And so, parrots are very Caribbean, and so parrot head. Okay, I I, I just never made the connection. But anyway, I. Um, I shouldn't have called. I'm just way – I feel like I'm wasted, but I'm not actually. I'm just perfectly uh, uh, done just in. Kind of zonked? Yeah. Yeah, I, I – Well, remember, I, I wasn't supposed to be on the air this evening. Well, I missed that part because I wasn't even here. Yeah, I was I, – I was I had a, I had a meeting, and I, had, I figured it would keep me from being back in time for the show. But I got back in time, so I'm not going to just throw an evening away. No. No. I, and uh, I'm sure there's always plenty to talk about. I'll have to catch it on the replay. Yeah, you know, this, this, has, this has not been a program without content. You know, it's, it's, it's very frustrating. No death dedications. No. No, no, but no, snuggle, no snuggles the puppy. What was it? Was it Snuggles? Cuddles. Cuddles. No? Snuggles. No Snuggles. No, it all gets the dedication goes out to Dave in Cincinnati or whoever's the guy <laughs> stick with. Don't make me play it again. We're at the end of the show. He writes, Dear Casey, our little dog... I don't know why we can't come out of an up-tempo <laughs> number with a god... Something... Get yeah. Don on the phone. <laughs> Where are those pictures I was supposed to see? <laughs> It never maybe may, may, maybe maybe the Horn Family Community Congregation is tired of that, but I'm not. Uh, well, it it it's just it's evergreen. It is forever funny. 
Well, and see, he that's the thing about Casey Kasem. He came across on the air like the most positive, upbeat person in the world. But according to members of his family... He was a prick! He was a... Well, it's that the, the famous uh, tape about the photos where he just loses it. And that's a human thing to do. We all do it, but... Well, and does... look, it's it's hard, <laughs> she said. It's it's difficult to... There, there, there's a certain amount... Do you know this? You've done the job. The mic goes on, and you're a little bit more than you ordinarily are. Yeah, it's you plus. Yeah, no matter it's not like you're playing a character. Like. It's just you at a higher level. And you pour that into it, and the mic goes off, and you just kind of, and then, but when shit goes sideways in the middle of the show, it fucks everything up. Yes, indeed, it does. I mean, come on. Think of it. Apply it to your job out there in Radio Land. The people who are not radio people. There are days when everything runs well and smoothly, and the boss is not a jerk. And the co-workers are not Oh, asshole. sometimes she's such a bitch. And then there are other times. <laughs> yes, you've been there. Then you know how that works. Then there are other times. Well, it. the idea is when you're in the public ear, as opposed to the eye, you, you obviously don't want to come over like you're cranky because that's not the, the, the job description. You know, I mean... In this format, if we call it that, it, it, typical, the typical format, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of money to be made on the right wing by just being screaming mad at the world. Well, yeah, but see, that's tiring. I think. Well, it's exhausting. And 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 you know, we we've kind of had this conversation before. I don't like. There's that word again, performative. Yeah, what? Somebody, please explain to me the benefit or the value of having someone from the other side on who has access to the vast, vast, vast field of right-wing broadcasting. And you know, for us working over here on the left, there is there is so, there's so little content, you know, of a live nature. Where is the value in having some right winger on? And I don't know, referring to her repeatedly as an American treasure, a national treasure, and debating her when we all know that neither side is going to change their mind or be even remotely influenced. And so at that point in time, it becomes like professional wrestling. I knew somebody who used to be on one of the Fox affiliates. Uh, the 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 the, uh, the local liberal punching bag, and the check cleared because it was Fox. But somewhere along the way, you, you know, your 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 dignity took a beating because there was one rule that applied, and that was the right winger always got the last word. Yeah, it was fixed. It was rigged. It was it was entertainment. It was and a I boat used, race at Hialeah, okay? A boat race at Hialeah. Aqueduct, right. whatever. <laughs> Fred Capicella with today's race. There's a name. For oh my God! Yeah, I, and you know I got something else here. 
we'll yeah. probably need to do it because you well, you caught you probably caught the reference. Um, Ralph's cern, serving as the Horn Ad Hoc Chiquita Banana Research Department. <laughs> Ralph's finds Chiquita everything. Banana. And I'm here to Because, uh, yeah, uh, there it is. That's exactly what it is. Stand by. Oh, the song. Go ahead. Yes, do it. <laughs> I'm Chiquita Banana, and I've come to say Bananas have to ripen in a certain way And when they're flecked with brown and have a golden hue Bananas taste the best and are the best for you You can put them in a salad No, not yet, my dear That greenish way you're looking means that you are ripe for cooking How about me? No, no, when you are fully ripe, my dear Those little flecks of brown appear Me? You're most digestible, my friend. Delicious, too, from end to end. At which point the banana strips. Any way you want to eat them. It's impossible to beat them. But bananas like the climate of the very, very tropical equator. So you should never put bananas in the refrigerator. The little refrigerator dude's pretty creepy. Doctors now include in baby's diet. And since they are so good for baby, I think we all should try it. See, 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 see. Was that like from a commercial? Yeah, that was a Chiquita Banana uh, commercial. Uh, the original Chiquita Banana, it was animated. Uh, That's got produced by cool. United Fruit, which, of course... Irish Dave reminds us, uh, Soylent Green has killed people. I don't have to tell y'all, the Dulles brothers were all up in the United Fruit Company, the producer of Chiquita Bananas. Yeah, the, actually, the banana business was a lost leader and a front to give them, uh, 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 to put them in places where they could do their, their revolutionary mischief on behalf of powerful dictators down there and uh, idiot leaders up here. I mean... That and that particular ad uh, first debuted via United Fruit, which owns Chiquita Banana, yeah. in movie theaters in the 1940s. And the vocalist was Monica Lewis. Oh, where do I know, where do I know that name? I don't know, but she had a website. Uh, she turned 90 on May 5th, 2012, so something tells me she is no longer among the quick. But she had a lovely voice. Didn't Wasn't she one of the ones who did the actual singing for one of those Disney fairy tale, tale maybe, classic maybe. Uh, cartoons? Maybe Snow White or something? I don't know. Uh, that's ringing a faint bell, but then again... All the, the bells are becoming increasingly faint, uh, Robin. I, and this, I'm going to chalk it up to uh, sleeping late, sleeping hard, waking up groggy, and, and coffee not uh, doing anything. See, I, 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 I'm self-diagnosed is what I've done here. So I'll take two bananas and call you in the morning. Will that work? Absolutely. And by the way, uh, Lee reminds us, Colin Baker, the sixth doctor, hmm said, when you play the bad guy, you leave the set smiling and happy. You have expelled all the negative emotion. There's probably some truth in that. It, 
the bad the bad the bad guys are often fun people. Yeah, and for an actor, it's not only a professional challenge, but it's therapeutic in a way because in their actual lives, they don't want to let horrible things, uh, you know, out. Right. This is an outlet for that for that uh, that thing. I'm sure that's why a lot of right wing radio people uh, uh, do it because they're not in situations where they can do it otherwise in real life. So they got to rant and rave because it's like a pressure cooker. You can't right. And over on that end, it it it, it makes the rubes happy, and and they don't they don't care what they're ranting and raving about. The crazier, the better. Because because Emery and Marveling need to be reassured that this is a bad, bad, bad country that could be so much better if it wasn't for those people. Exactly. There's always those people. Jesus. Ta-da. Ta-da, yeah. indeed. All right. Well, we're, I'm out uh, of here. Oh, let's see. Monica Lewis. Hold on. Thank you, Ralphs. Yeah, I know that she did voice work in, in, um, in, in cartoons or something. Jazz singer, film actress. Uh, long-time voice of Chiquita Banana. Um, she was a singing cigarette girl in Broadway show Johnny 2x4. Well, i got to watch that because just the title makes me want to know. And wrote a memoir in 2011, Hollywood Through My Eyes in which she noted that uh, old 666 himself, Ronnie, Ronald Wilson Reagan, proposed to her, but she said no. And who can blame her? She died of natural causes at the age of 93 on June 12, 2015, in Woodland Hills. Let's see, filmog filmography. Uh, Inside Straight, Cafe Singer, Excuse My Dust, The Strip, Everything I Have is Yours, Affair with a Stranger, The D.I., Charlie Varick, Earth... 1974, she was in Earthquake. She was also in Air Airport 77. She was in Roller Coaster. Zero to 60, The Immigrants, The Concord, Airport 79. She played a character named Gretchen. Now, the D.I., isn't that the uh, the uh, Jack Webb as Marine Sergeant at Paris Island? I think so, yes. Oh, God, you talk about the teeth marks on the tooth marks on the scenery. <laughs> If you, if you think Dragnet was overdone, overwrought, uh, crank up the DI and. Uh, no, let's uh, don't say we didn't. The, the, who is that actor? Don Dubbins, I think, was the uh, young male lead. Nothing on her. Nothing. Nothing in here about her doing uh, VOs for or, or, or singing roles for uh, Disney. Well, I'm, maybe I'm confusing her with the lady that did uh, Snow White. I don't know. What do you people want for uh, me? She sang with Benny Goodman's band. Ooh. That was a class act. She was America's singing sweetheart. Recording for Signature Records, MGM Records, Decca Records, Capitol Records, and Verve Records. All those singers had uh, had little monikers. Oh, one of her like one, of, one of one of her more popular songs was <laughs> "Autumn Leaves." The autumn leaves drip by the window. Oh, that's a beautiful song, actually. Until you have to rake them, because they get wet. 
And then they're just kind of slimy. and. You know how leaves get? You're not humming that song. You're cursing. Her brother, Marlo Lewis. Who? Her brother was Marlo Lewis, and he created um, a show called Toast of the Town, which would go on to become the Ed Sullivan Show. Really? Huh. And that's why I love show business. Uh, she showed up on Peter Gunn, Johnny Staccato, Wagon Train, The Virginian, Tales of Wells Fargo, and Ironside. Dear Lord. So she worked. Yeah, well, and good for her. And she was, she was 90. That's a nice run. 93. Or 93. I always prefer when it says that they died of, 90, died of natural causes at 93 because, well... <laughs> you hate to think of it being something else. Yes. <laughs> Going to leave now, Scott. All right, I don't blame you, and I think you should make me go. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting silly, and I shouldn't. So anyway, get Don on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Where are those photos? Those pictures. Where are those pictures? See, uh, you and I have a thing where we disagree. You think it's pictures, photos he's supposed to see. I think. He's old school, back when they referred to movies as pictures. And yeah, people movies. like Casey would get to see uh, the pre, pre, films in pre-release. Oh, I never thought of that. So he that's why he's pissed. Because he's not going to pay to go to the movies. He's Casey fucking Kasem. Come on to a goddamn up-tempo record and you've got to go With a death a dedication. That dog dies. <laughs> Uh, well, this is giving me the, the, the boost that I oh, need. Oh, I needed I need need a little <laughs> dose of silly, right? <laughs> and now we're back to the monkey working the arithmetic. <laughs> <laughs> the little visor, the pencil, the tongue. The arm garter. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't think I got enough sleep last night. I'm punchy. <laughs> <laughs> and the little tip of the pencil against that little pink monkey tongue. Now, let me see. Two doesn't go into uh, one. so You're into 12. Because addition is commutative or something. And I, at first you put your left foot in, put your left foot out. I don't know. Somebody get me a calculator. Get me a Bomar brain. Anyway. Well, this reminds me of the C.W. McCall song, <laughs> Wolf Creek Pass. I started looking out the window counting phone poles going by at the rate of four to the seventh power. I put two and two together and added 12 and carried five and come up with 22,000 telephone poles an hour. Oh, God. Oh, man. I looked at her on his eyes was wide and his lip was curled his leg was fried and his hands was froze to the wheel like a tongue to a sled in the middle of a blizzard and I said Earl I'm not the type to complain but the time's come for me to explain that if you don't apply some brake real soon they're going to have to pick us up with a stick and a spoon <laughs> and Earl reared back and cocked his leg stepped down hard as he could on the brake and pushed it clean to the floor and sort of stayed right there on the floor he said it was a lot like stepping on plum <laughs> I memorized all that shit. Oh, God. 
you know, there needs to be an outtake reel of you and me just losing our shit on the air. <laughs> oh, In a good way. <laughs> I'm in the cab of the truck as you describe it. I know. All that's missing is, what was that guy's name, Red Bovine? Or no, Red that's Bovine? not Red Sovine, dear God, no, not Phantom 409, please, <laughs> Jesus, no. Come on back and talk to Teddy Bear. No, no, that was C.W. McCall, who, who never even existed. He was a creating creation of an ad agency. Chip, what's his name that runs, uh, 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 uh come on, Mannheim Steamroller. Are you kidding me? I, I never do that. Oh no! Yes, it, when he does shows, he'll he'll do half of it as Mannheim Steamroller, and the other half every now and then he'll walk out of C.W. McCall and do Convoy. Oh God! Dark of the moon on the fifth of June, and a trailer hauling logs, cab over feet with a reefer on. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a real hoot in the home. I am. <laughs> You can have your connection. Who are you today, Miss Kincaid? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> My work here is done. <laughs> oh. <laughs> On the side porch after lunch, entertaining Robin Kincaid with uh, Tales from the Dark Side. Or, I don't know. I just... Oh man! It's gonna be nothing but it's nothing. It's gonna be nothing but Warner Brothers cartoon lines and old CW McCall. CW, CW. Hey dear. All right. I listened well, to him I... over and over and over again until they were just firmly implanted in my brain. And it didn't really matter, you know. It didn't really matter what kind of chords you put with it, as long as you just strum it every now and then, because it's you know. I don't know how you keep how you keep all that straight in your head. I can't. Well, obviously, I'm not keeping anything straight in my head anymore. No, no, no. You, but you get what I mean. It's, uh, that ship's that good ship sailed and sank too. Oh dear. No. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, listen. I. Uh, yeah. Good night, Scott. Go get another uh, cup of coffee. To, tomorrow ought to be just a a a, a, a all electric uh, uh, hoot. Well, yeah, one one hopes, but one never one ne one never knows from one day to the next based upon the fifteen fifteen micro millisecond news cycle. Well, yeah, there's that. All right, Robin, take care. All right, be good. Day, okay. uh, be well. Yes, you too. I got to do the credits. I obviously, I'm not. So someone's got to do it. Thank God. Yes. All right. All right see see you, Scott. Bye. Good night. Scott in San Diego. No, nobody like. I don't know. I don't know how or why he does twenty-two thousand telephone poles an hour. Okay, thanks everybody. Uh, we will not have we will, we will have a nine hundred seventy-five dollar fundraising goal tomorrow, and that's not nearly as horrifying as so many of them have been. So thanks everybody. Thanks to our Patreon and PayPal subscribers. Thank you so much. To our a la carte contributors, thanks to each and every one of you who share your precious finite time engaging in this occasionally esoteric little conversation. Chiquita Banana Song, really. Um, thanks to our all-volunteer staff. Thank you to Steve in the chat room this evening. Thank you to our 
News Ninjas. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa, head on dot live. Remember, like and subscribe, please. Where, where, where are you going to get this kind of broadcast mayhem? Except here, wherever you're listening to the podcast, like it, subscribe to it, leave a comment for the lonely little uh, lonely little algorithm, and uh, tell your friends and neighbors there's something special going on here. There really is. Has been for a very long time. Thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks to the hardest working, bravest people I know, the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. 20-plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia and a proud union shop. Please stay safe. Get your booster while they're still free. Get your flu shot. We're not out of the flu woods until sometime around April, depending on where you are. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Wear your mask when you're among the maggots. They are a diseased lot. Use your hand sanitizer. Maintain your social distance 15 to 20 feet, like Paul from Parts Unknown says. And you know, if if if, if some obfuscating sob comes down the street and you know, we're just going to let the courts set it sort it out. Avoid 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 that loyal maggot like the plague, because he is. And always, 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 Gina, it's all for you. Lighter. <laughs>